Anime is a vast and varied medium, and if you're not already familiar, it can be daunting to find something you might be interested in watching. This is a podcast where three average anime enjoyers introduce their uninitiated co-host to their favorite anime touchstones, so he can join them deep in the weeds. This week, we watched Spy Family, not to be confused with the British live-action family comedy series, My Spy Family. The Spy Family manga is written and illustrated by Tatsuya Endo and began serialization in 2019. It was licensed in North America by Viz Media. The first season of the anime adaptation premiered in two halves in 2022, and a second season is set to premiere in October of this year. A film is also set to release this December. In order to maintain the state of peace between two nations that bear strong similarity to Cold War-era divided Germany, an accomplished agent, codenamed Twilight, is tasked with spying on the leader of the rival nation's National Unity Party. However, due to the target's notorious reclusive nature, the only way to get close to him is to enroll a child at the same school as his sons and to pose as a fellow parent. To accomplish this, Agent Twilight creates the alias of Lloyd Forger, adopts a young orphan girl named Anya, and marries a young woman named Yor Briar. However, unbeknownst to him, Anya is telepathic, and Yor is a professional assassin. They also later adopt a dog with precognitive abilities. <laughs> Despite unknown factors and Twilight's difficulty with common sense after years of being a spy, he must learn to play the role of the perfect father and husband in order to carry out his mission. Endo's longtime editor, Shihei Lin, has said that he and Endo are always conscious of the line where violence, a necessary aspect in a spy manga, is given a pass for comedy's sake. Spy Family is currently one of the best-selling manga series and has been praised for its storytelling, comedy, and artwork. This week, we watched four episodes. Episodes 1, 2, 13, and 15. I'm going to start off by saying I'm partly to blame for it being the best selling because boy, howdy, have I bought into that. <laughs> I do believe you're the one who picked the episodes, aren't you? I is. This, this was one of my contributions to this uh, season. I did want to ask off the bat. You had us watch 13 and 15, which is the first and third parts of a three part arc. So, okay. To, to get that, cause I, I knew that was going to come up. Mm -hmm. I, I actually expected that more from Joe. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, partly because if I ended on, I felt like 13 had to be there because it kind of set up the, the drama aspect of this comedy show. <laughs> um, and if I went with 14, it ends with Lloyd pointing a gun at the dog. And I'm like, that's kind of a bad note to go out on. Fair. <laughs> and I'm like, I I feel like we need to show just how good Lloyd is. Cause like, don't get me wrong. There's a bit in spoilers for episode 14. There's a bit Lloyd disguises himself as a dignitary who's got a uh, hit out on him by some domestic terrorists. And the dignitary is a very old man. So when, he, when the lead terrorist and this Arnold Schwarzenegger 
Terminator German Shepherd with, that is designed to be so good of a boy that he lets the bomb strap to him go off, chases him down. He's he's pulling all kinds of car maneuvers that no no man of this uh, dignitary's age and disposition should be able to pull off, and then vaulting and jumping on rails and uh, iron iron gates and so forth, and it, it's hilarious. But I also feel like ending an episode, or choosing an episode ends with, and then he looks like he's going to kill the dog. Just leaves a bad taste. Makes sense. And now we end with a happy family with a dog, so. Oh my god, that dog. Yes. <laughs> Dogford Brimley needed to be shown in all of his glory. <laughs> Alright, well, we'll get to the dog, but let's start with episode one. Operation Strix. So, um, I... I just love how this starts. This Bob, Bob, before I just go on a rage, go go for it. Go ahead. All right, <laughs> sorry. Um, it opens up with us being introduced to, uh, oh, kind of a take going out to retrieve film, or one of the dignitaries. I forget if it's Eastland or Westland, and I refuse to believe that they have actual fancy names. No, that's basically uh, what they translate to, so. Uh, and the, oh, I wouldn't say, we don't know that it's a secret agent at the moment, but the guy who retrieves the film uh, gives it to who you assume is, I wouldn't say the bad president, but the president you're not rooting for, let's say here this yes. protects, or this is proof that the other president is wearing a toupee. Hey, Bob, let me uh, stop you. It's not a president. He's kind of like <sighs> underground connections. Uh, I don't want to touch on real-world politics too much, but maybe a little bit of a conservative extremist. And you, you left out the banger beginning of before we meet him, what happens to someone driving uh, wrecking my brain, wrecking my brain. After so you. the the comedy, this delightful comedy, starts off with the assassination of another dignitary. Uh, his essentially like his brake line was cut, so he and his driver went over the edge of a highway. Oh, that's right, with big boom. Yes, this this cute family comedy starts off with death. Mm-hmm. I'll bring that up later. <laughs> So what's confusing to me, and they try to explain it later, is how it matters that there's pictures of a dignitary with a toupee. And they explain it later on that it's because, as a dignitary, he should have real hair. And it's all about appearances and uh, dealing with leading a country, which, yes. It's actually um, more about, like, honesty. Yeah, I, I think they were trying to say the point that it's just like, yeah, if you're wearing a toupee, you're basically lying to your people, and how can you trust somebody who lies? Yeah. <laughs> how can you uh, trust anyone that wears a toupee? Or uses an anime avatar on Twitter. <laughs> uh, so the guy drives off with the crime guy being like, ha-ha, this worked out. And then the actual guy drives up saying, did you retrieve that film for me? At which point we cue to uh, 
a now we know fake driver who takes his mask off and it's Twilight. And we finally meet him. Uh, we fast forward a little bit to he's having supper with his girlfriend at the time, which we find out he's just using her to get close to her dad, who that happens to be the president with a toupee. <laughs> Bob, tell me yes. you remember what the uh, girlfriend's name was. Uh, Let me help. Arlene? She, she really is a total Bang. name. What? Aaron. It's a name, five letters long, starts with a very hard k sound. Is her name really Karen? Yes. Well, that's because he wants to break up with her. He's at the end of his mission because he succeeded in getting the film, so he just straight up He Karen, just, like, we immediately drops his person <laughs> and he's like, okay, we're done now. Mm-hmm. After she is watching someone propose. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love how he does it too, so matter-of-factly. You're you're unintelligent. You're dull. You're boring. You're dim-witted. I'm out. <laughs> and as as he leaves, he throws his getup and everything into a flame that happens to be conveniently nearby, like any good spy, uh, because it's time to switch roles. He's no longer I forget what his old name was, but now he is switching back to Twilight until he gets his next mission. She gets pretty quickly because he sits down next to this guy and switches newspapers and hears the code word so he knows what it is to crack it. And he starts reading through the newspaper while on the train about how there's this whole... He's another role in the diplomacy side of... You want me to help you? Yes. Are they part of Westland or Eastland? Are we cheering for Westland or Eastland? Uh, we're cheering for peace, Bob. Uh, yeah. so sh- short version is they are in Ostania, okay. which is clearly not an analog for East Germany. And he is part of uh, the spy agency that now just slipped my mind. Um, wise. Okay. No, it's wise. And they, they are from, uh, Westalis. Sure. So yes, East and Westland, which is clearly not West Germany. Yet their choice of this political leader, who, if you look at his facial Hitler, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, he's Hitler. Essentially, the vibe I get is like, this guy is like Hitler. He just looks like he is very, very sick with those dark eyes. I felt really bad for him. He looks exactly like Vincenzo Santorini from Atlantis, the Lost Empire. Oh my goodness, now I can see it. Right. Insert picture on video here. And I know who you're talking about. <laughs> He's the guy who likes blowing stuff up. Yes, yeah, so I was going to say, yeah. if he asks for dynamite, don't give it to him. Uh-huh. I do want to mention, just while we're talking about while he's on the train, um, I'm sort of a dummo, so it took me until uh, the moment he's getting onto the train station, we just see the sign for Berlin. Berlin. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, like, I love it because that one word posted on screen actually caught me up to everything about the setting. It's just like Berlin alternate universe, cold war. Got it. I'm there. I completely understand now. And like the efficiency of like this show is going to do this a bunch, especially in this first episode or two. Um, just about like speed running, um, premise. What you need to know. Yeah. Just like, Hey, they catch you up. I'm going to actually touch on that. 
Okay, but but just like they do it so quickly and efficiently in a way that I bet you can guess, I really appreciate it. I bet you would because we're be watching that. I saw that, and I, I, that's part of the reason I wanted to touch on that. But I'll, I'll save that for when we get back to normal. Okay, but yeah, just Berlin. I just laughed my ass off because I was just like, "Wow, you just you just put it there, and you did it so well." I I wanted to applaud at Berlin. He reads through the newspaper. Uh, getting his new message, which I appreciate the way they kind of showed the letters floating on the paper for him. Getting this message, uh, that he needs to, uh, infiltrate, to find information because he needs to get a wife and he needs to have a kid because this kid needs to go to the school to share, uh, time with the other guy's kid and they have parties because he never really goes out otherwise and this mission needs to be completed in i believe it's 10 days well no he needs to have a family in a week yeah the deadline for application to the school is soon and you know it's really easy to find a fiance get in find a woman get engaged get married and pump out a kid in seven days in fact that's a spit take that he has i'm supposed to have a kid in seven days which uh disturbs everyone on the train but it's understandable and he's quick to say i'm so sorry i loved his reaction like this this feels like any actual i could believe any actual spy being put up with this and not getting any resources to support it in those departments would absolutely have that reaction uh, so he takes his first step he's going to an apartment where uh, the realtor is saying this is a lovely apartment and goes through all the listings like bedroom bathroom and so forth while Twilight is going through everywhere, making sure that there is no spy traps, no listening devices, and everything. Doing his piece, I don't know why he's doing it in front of the realtor, but that's fine. Uh, and ends up signing and getting the apartment under the name Lloyd Folger. Or bleh. <laughs> Coffee magnate. Actually, yes. I would like to touch on that real quick. Because so let, let me touch on that real quickly, if I may, Bob. What? Regarding the name, the we're going to go back in time because we've we've mentioned, I think, on the podcast once or twice, Beej's anime roundup. If you haven't seen the audience, go watch it. Long Raider Run's great. Um, but it was during one of Beej's anime roundups where. Spy, right before Spy Family was coming out, he was talking about what he was going to watch that season. And he mentioned, and I don't know if it was just the scanlations or the original translation of the manga, but originally the name was Lloyd Folger, a really believable average name. And later they changed it to, and I don't know if it was for the anime or because the anime was coming out, they changed it to Lloyd Forger. That's definitely yeah. um, a translation. I'm sure thing. L R translations are often like that. Like it can usually go either way. Then there's a part of me that would still have loved. I mean, still love this series. You know, spoiler. I like the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it would have been great, where or possibly better if they just left it as Folger, just to give it that more innocuous name instead of really kind of hitting it on the nose oh i don't know so much of this show is uh, about hitting it on the nose in such a tongue yeah. way i think it fits perfectly I mean, like honestly <laughs> when i 
from what I had known about this show beforehand, um, like, I thought it was way more serious. And finding out that they were going with, like, this setup to create comedic situations to play with, like, that was a delight. And having their last name be Forger is just ridiculous enough to really suit that vibe. I guess for me, it's like, I I feel like he, in the universe, Trojan name, ah, yes, this will be my name, Forger, or the agency Trojan, your name is Forger. I feel like at least on their part, they should be taking it seriously to some degree. And that's why, like, Folger, sure, because this shouldn't be happening to such an average guy. And I guess that's where it comes in, because for me, that would sell. Maybe have a joke where, like, the person, like, mishears them or something. Hmm. And yeah, like in, in my head, jokes like that could have been strewn throughout and just kind of to serve to kind of undermine Lloyd's seriousness. Cause let's be honest, he is the straight man of the show. That's actually like it, my understanding of the show, little that I knew coming in was almost the other way. Like I, I heard that this was like, Oh, a comedy and it's got this super complex premise. And I thought it was just going to be like, like waka waka very trying hard to you know it's like oh this is the joke isn't it so funny because i i find that a lot of anime comedy actually does go that hard uh or sort of go in that direction like comedy is hard in the first place and especially when you've seen people try to adapt uh comedy manga into anime i have very very many opinions about that um but i was actually really you know what you were just saying like the way that they're actually handling the comedy is that and and they're like not afraid to like you know again sort of like tongue in cheek point this out like as as far as he is concerned twilight is a james bond character like he is like he is in a spy thriller show movie genre whatever but it's almost like the the marx brothers take on comedy where it's just like no like in in this universe, the reality around him is constantly giving him curveballs, and he's trying to keep the straight face, and it's just, like, it is such a, a more, like, subtle and, like, well-woven sense of comedy than we usually get in anime. I was, like, relieved when... You know, there were there are like some real moments, and like there there was never like a waka waka moment. You know, I never felt a waka waka moment. I'm so you can't see the grin on my face because that's exactly how I felt, and those were all of my concerns when I heard about this show. Like, oh, this is gonna be trope, this is gonna be that, and it's so good. And you you saw me. I haven't been able to hit the nail on the head, but you did. It's like this is absolutely a Marx Brothers style. Yeah. Whether intended or otherwise. And I love that. And, and to your point, I will even say, I, a lot of people always associate Bond to the character. I'm like, this feels more like maybe Man from Uncle. Okay. I, oh yeah, the setting definitely makes me think or, that way. Or Maxwell Smart, I suppose. Yeah. It's like, what if Maxwell Smart, but actually, it, you know, going into this not being the, the comic relief? Yeah, he, I don't think Maxwell Smart ever did. He was very serious about his job. He he was, but I mean, like, the character itself was not. I know what you mean. Yeah, Lloyd. There, there Lloyd, wasn't the, uh, but Lloyd had, like, a, a serious competency to him that, like, 
if it wasn't for the other characters in the show and it was just, you know, uh, uh, Twilight, this would be a straight spy show. Agreed. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, and to your, to your point, I think the, the biggest and best tongue-in-cheek is the Spy Wars show because mm-hmm. the main character's name is Bondman. Mm-hmm. It's just like like they're they're not hiding what they are like straight up. They they are pointing at the thing that they are parodying and say like, "Look, we know it too. Look what we're doing." And that's like the most like, but but at the same time, like not just putting James Bond there, but like working it in using the names. You know, uh, uh, when we get to Anya in a minute, her like code name at the the experiment facility was she was number 007. Like, come on, come on. Mm-hmm. Um, let me tell you the first time I watched it, I missed it until I went back and rewatched it in the dub. I'm like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. Actually, that's a, a great segue. Uh, real quick here, as we're learning, uh, the name Twilight is going to be using going forward. Who show of hands, who watched the dub and who watched the sub? Dub. Sub. Yes. All right. I, I, I will admit, I watched this. You, Joe, you remember when I first pitched this idea of the podcast to you? Mm-hmm. I was, so this was airing at that time and I was watching it week to week in the sub. And then when the dub came out, I'm like, well, I have to see what they do to hear. I need it to be good. Um, I watched it in Japanese up until one point when I rewatched part of an episode in English just because I wanted to check something. I hope it's the part that I think it is. Yeah, I need you to tell me what part because there's one. I'm glad you watched it in the sub. I need to know you watched it in the sub for that one part. If it's something we watched, we could wait till we're there. Yeah, Yeah. I'm going to wait till we're there. We plan to. We plan to. Um, But just like... uh, uh, so I watched the dub, which I thought was pretty good, uh, with subtitles on just because, I don't know, accessibility Same. is good. Uh, I love the little, like, there, there's a certain disrespect that the subtitles give Twilight because he's mm-hmm. like, all right, from this point going forward, I will be working under the code name Lloyd Forger and the subtitles forever call him Twilight. They disrespect the name Lloyd. And like, I kind of love it. It's like subtitles. You're blowing my cover, man. Come on. Come on. <laughs> I love because there are, like I said, there's the one I'm hoping Joe watched, but I realized there's a second one. I'm like maybe that's the one Joe's referring to, but the difference between the sub and the dub in the latter one really matters to me. Interesting. All right, I can't but wait it's, to get it's there. But it's just funnier. So I think that uh, takes us up to the orphanage. Yes, yeah. and... Yes? I was just agreeing. Oh, uh, good. Thank you for agreeing. <laughs> so we get to the orphanage because part of his job is he needs children, or at least a singular child. For which he finds the seediest orphanage with a guy who really doesn't care about anything. In fact, all Twilight has to say is, I want a child. And he says, "Which no, he even opens up. Which child do you want? Okay, so this is actually, to some some extent, it's I'm sure it's happened before, but also is also being played out for comedic effect. Um, But this is kind of a common thing in... This era is having orphanages, especially when there's a war on and you have a lot of orphans. Um, 
people calling themselves an orphanage to get like the money from the government or whatever. Um, and then just like not using the money for the children in any way whatsoever. Yeah, that couldn't possibly happen in real life. No. Mm. Okay. Sad story, sad. <laughs> and yes, Anya has a sad story. Everyone has a sad story. And her sad story is that she is telepathic. She was experimented on, as previously mentioned. She is Project 007, which for me, I actually didn't think about the 007 until much later. It was more the fact of, you mean there are six more experiments before her? <laughs> oh. Uh, so she is, so she is able to read minds, uh, although she doesn't do it in her backstory, which I find rather weird. They just tell her that she doesn't have time to play. She needs to keep working on her telepathy because she is a tool for world peace. Uh, and to upon, her credit, she takes that seriously. Yes, upon first watching, I took that as, oh, they're positive. She's going to be happy. But thinking about it now, that could be in a negative as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your world piece is not my world piece necessarily. Yeah, and we also don't understand how she got to the orphanage. I don't know that we ever really realized in the four episodes we watched. I'm sure it's explained in a different point. But right now, she's in an orphanage, and Twilight had asked for the smartest kid. Or no, he didn't ask for the smartest. He asked for one that can read and write, and is about because, six years old. Yep. Because he needed someone who is capable of taking the entrance exam to the school. Uh, the orphanage owner uh, is like, here's Anya. He's the brightest one, and because Anya can read his mind, it's because he also, or she creeps him out. <laughs> you want to you wanna tell us how she creeps him out? <laughs> or creeps, oh, out she, creeps out who? Lloyd. With, oh, yes. Uh, with Twilight, it's she's reading his mind to know what he's looking for. He's looking for someone who's six, which she quickly says that she's six, uh, because she seems so short, and she starts standing on her tippy toes uh, to be able to look a little bit taller. And then he sees a crossword puzzle that she is working on, and he says, oh, that's far too hard for her, because answer number one is this, and two is this, and because she can read his mind, he gets all of the answers correct, which impresses him. Isn't there a line from him there of this is like, oh, for someone like me, this is child's play, but clearly this yep. is too hard for an actual child. And then he just yeah, starts solving he's... it and like, like, yep. like, oh, I feel like I know those kind of guys who are just like, ah, oh, this is so easy. Watch, I'll start solving it in my it's head. Still... A, B, C. Oh, I, I do the same thing. I catch myself looking at something. Oh, I know that one. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so. He ends up adopting her and as they're standing outside the orphanage, he's like, all right, so when people ask, you've been my daughter all along, and I need you to call me father, which she never calls him father, to my knowledge. She only calls she him Titi. Papa. Titi? Is that... Titi. Uh, yeah, it's like Titi, like, um, like Goku's wife from Dragon Ball. Um, <sighs> yeah, it's just like the kitty version of daddy Dad. or papa. Yeah. Yep. Um, to which he says that, that works. Honestly, that's the first point where I really love Twilight. He just is so witty when he wants to be. Mm -hmm. And we'll get to that. Because he takes her to the house where 
Uh, they run into a neighbor, and the neighbor's like, oh, what a nice kid. And Anya's like, oh, this is my father. He's been my father all along. <laughs> and Twilight's like, you don't have to say that every time. Uh, they go into the apartment so he can show her around. She's excited for everything, including a TV, which happens to show her favorite show, a spy show. Uh, and they're super spies. They have their weapons, including a gun with a silencer, or a pistol with a silencer. That's all she wants. They go shopping, and she's asking for a pistol with a silencer. I As any respectable child would. Oh, and, he, and he responds with, only if it's on sale. <laughs> I'm... As any respectable parent should. There's nothing I want in the world for her more than for her to get her dream of having a pistol. I feel like that's that changes the whole tone of the show, but for the better. Uh, I mean, she asks simple dangers of that in this episode. She asks her age, which I believe is around five, isn't it? Yeah, she's actually like four or five-ish. Uh, by crying when she doesn't get her way and so forth. He ends up buying her peanuts because that's her favorite. And he stops by the library to buy, I think, 100 books on parenting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he has some real, uh, what it's what I want to say, Re real errant thoughts on dealing with children and how he should deal with her that kind of set her off during their trip. Well, yeah, because it, like, it totally makes sense to, like, she's already had some traumatic experiences of being sent back to the orphanage. So she's very aware of, like, tailoring herself to be someone who's going to want to keep. But also she's yeah. a, a four-year-old with telepathy, and it ain't right. easy to be normal <laughs> when you're like that. Yeah, yeah and that's kind of what I was going to touch on. I was like, she's reasonably upset by this, because imagine if you could have read your parents' mind without any kind of nuance or understanding, other than that of, like, a four- or five-year-old. Mm. But does she know when her parents? I'm your parent. Oh. Your your parents, yeah. literally your parents. Like when you were growing up, when you were not being the most easy to deal with because you don't know how to communicate because you're a four or five year old. And then you're, and then imagine in that moment you you read your parents' mind of what they're thinking. I think her reactions are completely understandable, and they do a great job of depicting her as responding believably. Yeah, that was yeah. one thing that I really liked is that they kept her very much a child. Exactly. At no point was she older. She yeah, did she, everything she, she could to be who she was. Yeah, she wasn't malicious beyond her years or spiteful because of it, like you would expect from maybe someone older in age. She is literally a child with telepathy. It, mm -hmm. it, there's something about the way that she gets written there where, like, uh, she definitely knows how to use her telepathy to punch above her weight. Like we're going to see it in episodes. Like she definitely uses it to like play tricks on people and to like know how to read a room and like understand, like recognize threats and stuff around her. Yeah. I think a lot of that is, is like survival um, things that like, even without telepathy kids will pick up on, on reading like body language and stuff. Yeah. When they've been in situations like this. Um, but so yeah, it's, 
but but like she's still written that she has the aspirations of a five-year-old so it's just like i'm going to use my secret powers to get a really cool <laughs> pet dog that is what i'm going to use my telepathy for that is my big dream that i'm gonna make happen i'm just like that's great that is that is such like a fine line of character believability especially when you bring like supernatural powers into it and i actually think they do a really yeah. good job with her and she also processes and understands things in a very simplistic, childish way, mm. which and is I love really how good. She pronounces words. Oh yeah, I, I love that. that and the subtitles put it in, and I loved it. <laughs> mm-hmm. So they go back to the apartment, and while reading his books, Twilight has. Um, a little bit more understanding whether it works out or not remains to be seen. Uh, he has Anya study for the test because he just needs her to copy the answers and she's really not going for it. And he ends up going out. I forget the exact reason why he needs to leave. I think it's to meet up with the other newspaper informant. Frankie. Frankie. Yeah, that's his brother. Anyway, so he's going out. Uh, he tells Anya she has to stay there, and then she gets excited because it turns into a game of hide-and-seek, which Twilight finds her every single time and, in fact, just locks her in the house with a barricade in front of the door. <laughs> As a reasonable parent should. A responsible parent, even. Yes. Uh, this is where we are introduced to Frankie. He is yet another spy. I think they explained that a lot of this world, this alternate world, has a lot of spies in it, so it's not too much of a stretch. Something, uh, something cold war era. Yeah. Frankie has information that Anya has been returned four times, I believe. Yep. And there's yep. no history on her outside of those four times she's been adopted. Uh, yeah, it's it's pretty narrow, and for spies, it seems like a glaring oversight not to question that. But you know. Everyone in this world is just dumb enough yeah. to get by. But yeah, it's like she, she clearly has a high turnover rate of adoption. I mean, she is a little weirdo, you gotta admit. Mm-hmm. A little strange. In fact, she also read Twilight's mind. He, but he happens to keep a lot of his spy equipment at home behind a wooden door. In a briefcase that is such a you know hidden place. Well, I think at was, least I think there was a, like a numpad like There's a passcode on it which she she read his mind on, but it's still a wooden door. You can break. Not, not saying Anya would, but <laughs> well, it's, it's that false panel with the lost safe. You know, as, as you do. So, so she read his mind, mind and got in there. This is she already knows he's a spy.
is listening in on because somehow she already knows code as far as more towards the Well, you can even make that like on the inside of the... She just puts out that here. Come and find me. They are able to trace that and... When Twilight gets home, he notices that the house has been broken into. Uh, he can't find anywhere any deducting that she's been kidnapped. And then he gets attacked by thugs. And the way they play it is rather interesting because he's fighting and his last thought shows someone hitting him in the back of the head. About ready to, yeah. They do a nice dramatic cut to black guy. And we have Anya being kidnapped and taken to a warehouse full of all the main thugs, including the long-haired guy who wanted to film. And they show someone being dragged in, and they're like, ha, we caught Twilight, the best Westland. I don't want to ruin their names. Stanley. Yeah, them too. Westland shows up. And when they take the top off of the person who's in a mask, it ends up being one of the thugs. And Twilight rips off his mask and fights all these guys, winning and saving uh, Anya enough to get her outside. He, they're still being chased, but he needs her to hide. Well, he and, doesn't rip off his mask, so he is. Well, that's like, why he's wearing it the whole time, and he's trying to tell her that this is a game of hide and seek. You go to the police station. Yeah. <laughs> I love her. Papa's a good liar. Papa's yeah. a really good liar. So, okay. There's a, a moment here where, like, he's got his mask on. He has picked her up, and they're running out. And she is just like, oh, it's Papa. I thought she said that out loud. And I was like, why is he completely no-selling the fact that this dude, who is the decoy octopus of Berlin, like... She just instantly saw through his disguise. Why is he not, like, surprised or, like, you know, uh, unsettled by that? But I think there's just an element of, like, because Anya is a telepath and because there is such that, you know, that necessitates a heavy uh, reliance on internal monologues in this show. I have trouble telling when somebody is having an internal monologue versus when they're talking out loud. Like, yeah, there's the... They they do the little like uh twinkle Audio and effect. sound effect when Anya reads minds, right? But like especially with Twilight, because we need to get his, you know, internal monologue to see that he's the the straight man of the comedy to, for the contrast. But like I don't think they do like the in head reverb effect that usually lets you know that you're hearing somebody's thoughts, which probably because it happens so often you don't want the audience to get sick of it from just like a weird human uh necessities kind of way um but yeah it, it led to uh some instances throughout everything we watched actually it was like i thought somebody was saying something out loud and it's like no they thought that to themselves i guess because nobody responded to it like oh okay all right sure i i feel like because it's one of those things i for me i didn't have trouble picking up on it the audio cue was enough to kind of clue me in but I feel like there is like a slight difference in the audio. Now it could be more substantial. I agree, but I feel like there's just a slight enough one that I was able to pick on as just as a viewer that it was just like, okay, this is an internal thought, not a not a verbalization. Mm-hmm. I just assumed but, everything yeah. was in their head unless I could see their mouth moving. Yeah, 
Yeah, you, you kind of need and with to this, rely on that. And with what she's saying, you can feel kind of, is that something that she's saying internally or something out loud? Yes, she is a yeah. child, but you can kind of be like, is yeah. she going to call him a liar to his face or just especially Anya's lines especially, I kind of assume they're all in her head unless I see uh-huh. her moving her mouth. Because she, she's, her whole thing is like talking to herself in her head. I, I actually wonder if this is one of those elements of porting from manga to anime. Because, you know, in, in manga, you can very quickly, you know, we have a visual language for this is a thought bubble versus this is a speech bubble. Um and yeah, if you don't want to rely on on a reverb that might give people a headache, that that becomes harder to uh, sort of really make pronounced in a, uh, a visual audio format. I'm gonna let you know. Yes, it is because there is the visual, mo- you know, the visual modifier bubble that is present. We're not gonna go with like just a thought, the traditional cloudy thought bubble, but it's a little different and something I'm sure you've seen before in the various mm. styles that are used in various manga. Um, but yes, it it is there, and I I agree. I think it's just kind of an artifact of that. Okay, yeah, it wasn't that bad. It just it, it caught me up a few times, so that mm-hmm. is just worth noting. He has Anya go off, and she really doesn't go off. She just hides. Uh, what does he give her? He, he gave he her, gave her a, a note to bring to, oh, the, police to, to, to the police so that they'll put her in a better home. Yeah, because he was worried. This is where you kind of see through the hardened exterior and even the interior that he tries to present to himself of, yeah, I'm this cold, heartless spy that's just doing this thing to save the world. I don't get emotional tantrums. I've got to save this child, though. She should not be in this risk. And he goes back and kicks some butt because they fell for the trap of flour in the ceiling, which they do ask a valid question. When did he have time to put there? <laughs> uh, which is never answered, by the way. Uh, probably did it like the previous night or something. Probably because he knew she was going to be kidnapped? No, probably because, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> or like he knew where their hideout was. Yeah, he probably knew where they were after he interrogated and then had to make the mask for the guy. Because, you know, you just keep that on hand. Um, probably set up the trap, then brought in, quote-unquote, Twilight to drop off and then save Anya. Oh, but he ends up winning the day. Finds, finds Anya hiding in a sign. Mm-hmm. Because, but Because she wants to stay with him. And he knows he needs to do that for this mission. So they go off kind of happily. He wants him to, or she wants to move to a castle. He says only of ones available for rent. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, there was a snake in the, there was a snake in his boot. And we got to the credits, which, because it's not part of our thing, this end credit song. Oh my goodness. Okay. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm reversing. After they look for a new home, they show that she takes the test. Oh, yes. And passes. Passes. He's all excited about it, too. Yeah. And one of my favorite parts that kind of shows you very, does a lot of show, don't tell, is he finally relaxes enough that he's heated in one. Falls down asleep. Yes. 
Well, from exhaustion, he goes home and passes out. But yeah, he falls down from exhaustion, and even he didn't realize because he gave he himself was. a second to relax. <laughs> yeah, it was so good. I'm like, you know, I could again from my wealth of experience as a spy, I could believe that in those kind of situations, yeah, once you're able to in such a high stress position. Yeah, as soon as your body is like, okay, we're in a safe place, now we can just collapse. (laughs) And then, of course, she panics and, oh, no, daddy's dead. (laughs) Um, Actually, speaking of that, uh, her taking the test, I... (laughs) I just I love that bit of comedy there where because like earlier when he's trying to have her memorize the answers, she's just like, why do I got to study? I'm just going to read everybody else's mind to get the answers anyway. So she can't say that out loud. Of course not. Or there'd be no but premise. Um, but, th- but then she gets to the test and like she's trying to read the minds of everybody around her and everyone's just like, this is the hardest test I've ever taken. She's like, oh, no, my one strategy. I'm glad I memorized those lessons. My eggs and the one basket. Like, I, I was kind of surprised that they didn't go with, you know, Twilight sitting there in the audience for this test. Am I remembering that right? Um, he was not. No, the parents were all, like, waiting outside. Okay, but I, I thought we were going to, like, cut over, and he was just, like, for his own sort of smug satisfaction, was just going over the answers in his head, and she was going to be like, oh, good, Daddy is thinking about the answers. I'll just read his mind. And to your I point. I say that. I was just going to say, to your point, I that's part of, again, for our first episode, what sold me on this series is, like, there's so many easy outs they could have taken. So many tropes they could have just easily thrown in there because they've been done and used before, and they didn't. Mm. And I, they actually said, yes, this child hates to study, but she, it, but she actually can do it on her own. She isn't a one-trick pony. Yeah, she's just resistant to it because that's what they made her do in the lab. So it's also, just kind it's of a child. Uh, yeah. yeah. Also, she's five. <laughs> yeah, she did it, and you know we and to I know Bob, you mentioned the end credits. We do get the end credits, but we see the new Forger home, mm-hmm. and we had we we go into one of my favorite moments again. He Twilight mission part one phase one of the mission accomplished or partially accomplished, and. Passed on the couch. Anya goes to the mailman that comes to the door. Can you give this to your mommy? Or and like, oh, I don't have one. No, she and was genuine, mommy doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah, and, and just first, yes, the perfect wording. I I love that they chose those words. Loved it. But the mailman takes that in a completely different context, and the genuine emotion. Like, oh, I'm I'm sorry. And then she just wanders off, <laughs> toddles off with the mail. <laughs> cuddles her new father who overreacts because again spy he's this is completely new to him dealing with a child and is aghast that he could let himself be vulnerable and then gets the letter saying okay you know you pass the test you have to bring your whole family your whole traditional 1950s family of you know child father and mother what if his spouse is dead? Yeah. I was going to say, what about solo dad families? Oh, what? You, well, did not, you didn't get remarried like a proper citizen? Yeah. Apparently. I was saying, considering the time period they're playing off of, I can kind of see that being the expectation. I wholeheartedly had the same questions and quandaries you brought up. 
but I'm like, okay, it's also in service to the plot, whatever. Yeah. I, I actually had the exact same thought about like, if, Again, if they hadn't done Berlin and set a very particular place, time, and sort of environment for this show, then, like, yeah, like, the idea of, no, it is expected for you to have a wife and it is unusual if you don't, like, that would have done it. But, like, yeah, no, the the idea of this era of just, like, no, there is where there is a platonic and a ideal of a family and it is your job as a honorable citizen to uphold that ideal. So, like, yes, if you're a father, you will be married didn't have a kid like yes that's that's just it like they picked a setting that makes that so believable that like i'm not just like yeah no they would they would have that weird stretched uh uh expectation put upon them all right i'll buy it this is one place into after you oh i was just saying this is one of the two points where the dub and the sub both good don't get me wrong but i kind of appreciated the sub more because when he's reading the letter and he says, and, and your wife, and then they just pan right to Anya. And, you know, in, in the dubs, there is no mama. But in the uh, original Japanese, it's no mama. <laughs> and I'm like, and to, to be fair, part of the reason it's also funny to me is my mother's dog. Whenever she leaves and I go to take care of him. That's his reaction. So that just made it even funnier to me. But Bob, you were going to say something. I was just going to say, it kind of segues into episode two as far as what our expectations of what relationships look like versus the then time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, th- th- for this, because this is absolutely a period piece. With some liberty, sure, but it's a period piece. And you got to kind of immerse yourself in that mentality enough, at least understand it enough to say, like, this is why certain things are the way they are. And and to that point, even, like Nick brought up, Berlint, there is a lot of show, very simple, quick, fast, easy show, don't tell, that sets up the, you know, cues of when, where you are, despite the names being changed for, you know, historical dignity, let's say. Well, there's also a lot of go ahead and tell, but they they do it very quickly and sort of like efficiently, like um, you know, showing the very quick Anya backstory with uh, at the experiment lab or whatever. Uh, like mm-hmm. there, they are they are showing it, but they are telling you at the same time. But they just go through it quick, and you get it, and it's just like, oh, okay, that's you. You only told me what we needed to know to to sort of proceed with the show you didn't linger you didn't try to make a joke out of it for the sake of we're a comedy we gotta have jokes you just like in out we're moving on all right let's go this is a comedy in my opinion that knows how to be a comedy and when it is appropriate and okay not to be a comedy yeah it has a very solid sort of like self-concept of wherein the comedy lies it knows what about its premise is funny and you know where to take the story to make that shine it's not just trying to cram jokes into a premise uh it is just like oh no this is because of this we have some of these like the the idea you know we were talking about marx brothers and like uh by the time this first episode is done we kind of already have seen like the first of what is going to be like the main loop of this show which is uh Twilight is trying to do normal genre spy stuff and 
Anya thinks spies are so cool, so she's going to get in and make things worse by being a child who thinks spies are cool. And then uh, Twilight has to deal with it. Like, that's, from from the later episodes, that's kind of the whole show. Mm-hmm. And like, you there, know what? There it's, be... it's good. Yeah, there there will be more dramatic uh, examples of it as the show goes on. But yes, it's a simply, oh, essentially, like you said, here's, here's a spy format thing. And then a w- Anya appears. Mm-hmm. A wild Anya. But as Bob pointed out, that does this episode, and it's, and I love a good segue. Segues right in naturally to episode two. It's not like you're having to struggle for it. Episode two, Secure a Wife. I say the title this time, me! (laughs) (laughs) Why is Joe grabbing a bat? (laughs) (laughs) That's normal, you know, for this time of night. So, Bob, why don't you tell us about uh, episode two? It opens up in a unique way because Twilight needs a wife because of this meeting where his entire family, Anya and said wife, will go for the uh, board just for their interview. Uh, They decide that Frankie might make a passable wife, which we quickly realize he does not. (laughs) Uh, that is great. Yeah, I don't know if decide is the correct term. They they attempt a Frankie. <laughs> as as it goes, you're the spy. Why can't you make me pretty? Not a lot to go on. <laughs> I love, I love it. It's and such on, good dialogue. Anya's judgment there is very uh, God, 1990s dinosaur sitcom. Just mm, not, not the, the mama. mama. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm not going to lie, loved that as a child, annoyed my parents with it. So, yeah, this this really resonated hard with me. So we uh, switch over to kind of introducing a new character. We go to a, I would say, around the water cooler area of a nice business establishment with three ladies who And these ladies are smack-talking their boss something fierce because he's very, um... Of the era. Mm. That's very diplomatic. <laughs> He's a chauvinist pig. And uh, they're. I don't know. I would. It's a hard line because the points they're making are very valid. Just the way they're saying it makes you dislike them. Yeah. There's intent. And they bring it up to Yor, who's actually making coffee for uh, the councilman said boss but yes uh and they tell her that they should put or that she should put snot in the coffee and she's like you think that would make it taste better I love and that's how we're introduced to your she's not very mm, she is but she isn't yes and I feel bad because they start asking her well why are you single you have all the right curves blah 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 which in its own way doesn't sound very good but uh, she's in her, I believe it's late 20s, 27. is what we find out. Yeah, she's 27. And once again, playing off of the, you can't have a single dad, apparently you should be married by the time you're 20. Again, and, 1950s, spies are and, everywhere. Oh, I know. A single woman, that's that. suspicious. And, I, and I they do. talk about how they tried to, or someone got 
rested or checked up on because they were single, and that was weird. Yeah, they're if I really remember correctly, playing the ahead. um, they're really playing up the Big Brother aspects of just like, oh yeah, no, there is like secret police arresting happening all the time, but it is so common that we're just gossiping about it. Yeah, because it's it's not us. We haven't done anything wrong until they say we have. But yeah, I think it was uh, a a woman whose husband had passed, and then they arrest her for essentially free speech. And, and I, I I will I will tell you now, now Bob, you watch yourself. Yours yours perfect. You leave her alone. She's a unique individual. Uh, I forget if it's I forget sequencing. So if you want to help me, I don't know if sure. we see her job after this. Or if this is um, when we see the burglary happen. So we we see your in, in all her glory at the job being perfect. And then she goes home and then she's talking to her brother who gets a voice. So spoiler, you'll see him later and I have opinions about him. And yeah, they have an interesting relationship where he can just tell her, yeah. well, you should be married. You know, yeah, again. 1950s man. Patriarchal society. But mm-hmm. he's younger than her. Yeah, but he's still the man, so he gets... He's the firstborn son. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and also yes. never mind that she raised him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, well, a very young age, age because her parents are dead. Let, let me let me cut, cut through this. There's a reason I didn't introduce him in the two-part that he shows up. Spoiler, he works for the state. But that's not the, that's not my bigger problem. That's There's not a, a spoiler, that's implied in the yeah. episode. I know. Uh, well, I mean, he, he works as the actual Gestapo. Not Ooh. just for the state. Yep. Yeah. Sorry, I should have been more clear. Uh, but no, the other problem is the trope that he will embody. And I'm gonna let you guess, Nick and Joe, cause you're more familiar. I don't do guessing games. Okay, fair enough. He's very, very, um, what's this? Very caring and loving about his sister. Very. Yeah, I got that vibe. Cool. I'll be honest. First time I watched the, you know, without any future context, I didn't pick up, pick up on it until we saw him. Like, oh, he's that. He's, yeah. Also, like, again, psychologically speaking, like, everyone's behaviors and stuff, like, you look at them, you look at their situation, you look at the world they live in, you look at their, how they're brought up, and you go, yeah, okay, that makes sense. I mean, sure, it does, but w- they play it to the anime trope more. Hmm. Yeah. Because uh, he meets Lloyd later. Oh. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. But I'll save that too, because you can watch that and experience it on your own. Um, but he is probably my least favorite character. Mm. But that being said, um, so she talks to her brother on the phone, and then they get off the phone. Oh, she also tells him, oh, I have a boyfriend. Ha, 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 ha. Oh, well, when I get to meet him? Uh, whatever, I'm going to this party tonight. He lives in Northlandia? You wouldn't know him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's Now the coincidence, the, the brother's... And it's going to be at the party, and he would never lie. Mm-hmm. Right. And the party's in a, a couple days, so she's hoping to find someone by then. Uh, but then she gets she gets off the phone, she gets another call, and it's from her handler. 
and um, she thinks it's her brother, so she starts talking as if it's him, realizes it's her handler, and she gets a job, her real job. Her assassin job. And then she's motivated. I love I love this. She's it's it's everything I want in a character. She just goes to town on that group. We find out her name is Oh Thorn Princess, I believe. Yes. Correct. Yes. And she is one of the best assassins in all the land. Oh, what? what? Remove a qualifier. (laughs) Oh, no. They actually listed as one of the best. They do not call her the best. Maybe I'm remembering wrong. I could have sworn you said that might be a a dub difference. Translation. Yeah, maybe it was. It's entirely possible. She's pretty damn good at her job. Oh, she absolutely is. And this... This show doesn't shy away from violence, but not extreme violence. And I meant to mention that in the first episode. You could be a lot more... Yeah, like, they don't, like, linger on it. Like, it's obviously, um, like I mentioned at the beginning, like, he and his, the uh, creator and the editor were, like, very aware of, like, it's a spy world in a Cold War era. Like, there's going to be violence, but Mm -hmm. we're not gonna, like, play that up as much. There's... I'm going to say it's reminiscent of, like, 70s, 80s era Bond violence. Yeah, I was going to say, there's, like... Not, you might see some blood. There's violence, but there's not, like, gore, you know? hmm It's not gratuitous. Yeah. Um... In fact, I would say, especially in some of the episodes we see later, the violence almost feels very surgical and strictly purpose-made. Mm-hmm. It's at this point Bob realized he missed the scene. Uh oh. What'd you miss, Bob? We missed the fact that Twilight and Yor meet up. Oh, uh, we're not there yet. But then why is she upset that her dress was ruined? Because she ha it's her only dress. It's her, it's her best only dress. Good dress. Okay. Can't... I'm gonna push my glasses get up paid my well. nose. It's time. It doesn't get paid well. Uh, so, okay, so it... Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Okay. I like your. I'm mm-hmm. trying to get you on my side before I continue. <laughs> no, no, I, I'm I'm completely neutral at this point. I'm just listening. Um, wh- does she actually get activated for her assassin job? I guess that's my first question. No. Okay, no. that's what I thought. Since that is not the case, I that is I have more trouble with her character because, like, it is, it is. It is one thing to like I, when we see her in you know earlier when she asked would snot make the coffee taste better I'm like okay is she just actually playing dumb or is she actually like no I think that's more of just like day to day she's just kind of like not really aware of what's going on around her like she's just kind of off in her own world so like. Um. She probably, like, wasn't even processing everything that they were saying, but, like, it's responded to it. It's a little column B. Yeah. Okay, but so, like, that comes the thing, though, because, like, when she goes into us, when she goes into her assassin job, and I'll put that in Mm -hmm. quotes for a minute, we'll we'll come back to that, Um, Mm -hmm. she is so competent at violence that 
but the thing is like there there is being competent at violence and then there's being competent at the job of being an assassin and like i could buy that she could be like you know this great violence person but she is so like it's it's somewhere between ineptitude and oblivion obliviation oblivious whatever she is so in between those two that like i could see the contrast of her being great at violence i don't see her being great at assassinating like like it, it you know, I can see it in that straightforward way of, okay, I have a task. This person needs to die. I have two stilettos. I'm mm-hmm. going to make it happen. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, it's, yeah, you ever see someone that's good at strictly just one thing? Yes. Period. I mean, I think we've all have. This is that. She is very socially, I'm going to use the word inept, but not as a negative, just as a statement of fact. She's very socially inept. Because her life, uh, and the story goes far to drive this home, was just taking care of her brother and providing for him. And at a very early age, she she became Liam Neeson. She developed a, or realized she had a certain set of skills, and then she applied them. She was found out. We'll, we'll, we'll just leave it at that for now. And then became an assassin to become assassin, you know. Assassino. God, I overstrapped myself on mm-hmm. to become the grand assassino, uh, of this particular group she's part of. I, I know this is so, another one of those cases where the thing I'm probably taking issue with is at least addressed, if not like explained away. But like, I, I don't know. Like, when she, when they're showing her as an assassin, she's a John Wick, she's a Black Widow, she's a whatever. Um, but when they're showing her as her, like, socially awkward every day, like, th- that is, like, I don't know. There's something about that contrast that's, like, a bridge too far. Like, she is too, like, when you're that good at being an assassin, even if you are, like, you know, the the super focused, I'm good at an assassin because I'm cold, but that makes me inept at social stuff. It's, like, she's not just inept at social stuff. She is sort of, like inept at like basic understanding and like humanity projection it's like sometimes it comes across in word choices sometimes it comes across in like choosing to to like what to do and who to ask it is like i i I don't know like believe me i I see where you're coming from and if it weren't for the fact that i know personally know people in my life that are kind of not obviously, to my knowledge, not assassins, mm-hmm. but essentially were nothing more than their jobs and like their immediate family interactions. I would feel exactly the same you the way you do, but I've met those people and they, I, well, I it I, makes her believable to me because of that. Because I can tell you the, when I say these people, these are people like twice my age and they are still very naive to the world around them and even gen- some general social interactions. Well, well no, because it's, it's not that I don't buy somebody being that sort of out of step with the world around them. I can buy that. It is the gulf between being that when you're off the clock and being John Wick when you're on the clock. Like, if you are that out of it off the clock, like, you can be the best at violence, but I don't see how, like, even with a handler, you can you know, 
be what you are saying uh-huh is that being good at violence that means that's a physical set of skills that you she's good at she doesn't have the mental connection or awareness of operating in a world and that mental aspect you feel is part of being an assassin so you can't see how she can be an assassin when she's like that right 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 like yes exactly she she has she clearly has the sort of the violent skill but in terms of you know engaging with whatever secret society or whatever this is like I, she is so inept at being a regular person that her skills are never going to be like fully put to use in a professional setting like this. Yeah, I think Collier Assassin is a bit loose. Um, she's definitely like she's definitely more of um a like a weapon that just gets pointed at someone. Like she's not involved in like why they're getting assassinated or or like figure out where they're going to be. That seems to be everything that the handler does or whatever, and just says, "Okay, this guy's going to be here. Go kill him." You know, that's fair, and that's probably, I think you're probably more right, Joe, is that they use the term assassin just because this is a spy. What's another thing associated with an assassin? You call her a weapon, people aren't going to know what that means, or at least initially how to context that without, you know, further development. It's, there's also like, um, it, listen, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna touch more on my thoughts about the writing of your later. Again, I like her as a character. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I do take issues with sort of how the character is implemented in this show, I guess. But um, I, I, I guess you for know, this scene in particular, if she okay, let let's say everything is working fine, she's the best or at least one of the best assassins. Why does she not apparently get paid for being an assassin like i can see having you know needing a job as like a cover story but it seems like she's working you know small time jobs to pay for her assassin dresses and that feels like the opposite of how those things should go when you're like oh my only good party dress is also my professional assassination dress that's her cover that her brother got her a job there um or wait did she get her brother a job one of them neither, got each neither. other a job. I'm just, I, 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 okay, her brother got her a job. I, uh, I'm, I'm spoiler. Her brother knows nothing about what she does. No, yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. It's like, like, okay, I'm just making sure he got her a job at the as you know one of the secretaries or whatever. So she and, like, lives that's in a lifestyle according to that. Yeah. Okay, but. You know, your assassination job should pay for your assassination attire, right? Like, like even if that is, you know, part of the life she's keeping secret, that means she should have, you know, again, the John Wick vault inside a block of concrete full of assassination cash. Even if she's not touching that because using it, flaunting it would break her cover. Like, is she just not Maybe getting paid for assassinations? Right. Take it up with HR. We're moving on. Okay. Yeah, I, was I just chunk, chalk it up to it's the 1950s and it's probably part of the mindset. She is a woman. She's getting paid cents on the dollar for her assassinations. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Yor had her dress ruined, so she has to go get it repaired. And in getting her dress repaired, who happens to be there other than Twilight? Oh wait, sorry. Um, oh, back up to 
<laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Back up just one second. There was one thing I wanted to note about the assassination scene is that uh, she brings up how she's really good at cleaning because of her job <laughs> assassinating <laughs> people. But that's like the only aspect of domesticity that she's good at. Okay, continue. Yes. Um, yeah, I, yeah you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, she gets her dress repaired at a place where Twilight happens to be. Uh, he realizes that she was capable of sneaking up on him without him realizing. And using his amazing memory, recalls everything about her. Uh, and Because we had the scene where they stole... Okay. They either stole the information about all the women working at City Hall... Or they stole from City Hall the information on all the single women in the city. I think yeah, it was Citizen, citizen Records, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think he liberated all the citizen records of all the single ladies. All and, the single ladies? And, all, yeah, the single all the single ladies. ladies. <laughs> okay. And, and because Twilight, perfect, perfect, uh, I'm hung up on the word assassin, spy, perfect spy that he is, I'm sure has an edict memory. So he remembers everything about you. Identic? Thank you. Yes, I knew I said it wrong as soon as I said it. It sticks and, to metal. Uh, no, it, it's totally an edict. Uh, <laughs> you have two of us on the show who are just going to go the wrong way with it on purpose. What have you two done? That's <laughs> why <laughs> so we're here having this conversation around you. Okay. Now, Bob, uh, why, why is Lloyd there? Because he's looking for a woman. No. No, he's there for Anya. What did Anya need? Oh, they need that's right. <laughs> for the school. Silly me. Yeah. And thank goodness Anya's there because don't forget, Anya's also a telepath. And she's mm-hmm. like Oh yeah, the scene a, was fantastic. And assassin? Why? <laughs> I loved the the voiceover from the narrator. This child is clearly starved for attention. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And she starts talking about how she needs a mommy because, well, yeah, because she knows yeah, she Lloyd's Yor looking was for someone. And she figured she knew that Yor was going to move on, thinking that Twilight having a child clearly has a wife because that's how things are supposed to be. It, I, upon love, re- I love it. Yeah. Upon realizing single, she makes her advance. Oh, you think that I look nice? He says, yes, find I do. something appealing about my form? And it's probably the cringiest conversation of two people meeting, but it works for this particular situation between these two people. These two are professionals. They take it outside. Oh my god. Where, yeah. Wait, I just thought of something. Huh. Does, does, does the show cover whether or not Yor knows what soccer is? I don't I think would be, it would be football. It would be football, yeah. She know I mean, translated, is? yes. I'm Why? Sure. Where are you going? Because not knowing what soccer is was like, okay, in Valkyria Chronicles 2 for the PSP, when they wanted to show that a character was Moe, it was a soccer ball gets kicked over to her, and she goes, what is this? Some kind of weird egg. So now whenever somebody's Moe, I check to see if they know what soccer is. <laughs> but oh. also, 
this actually kind of explains everything about the issues I have with her character, because especially if her brother is as doting as you're saying, it's because she's Moe. Yeah. And everything else is in service of that. Okay, you know what? Everything makes sense now. Thank you for the Rosetta Stone of Yor doesn't know what soccer is. Sorry. We're getting there. Oh we'll get you God. there, buddy. Oh, my God. Okay, go on. Ask her okay, about tennis. Oh, my goodness. Uh, that was a very nice map. I'm glad that we got the lines connected. Uh, so they go outside, and they somehow make a not date situation set up where yours like, will you go here and pretend to be my boyfriend because everyone assumes that I'm dating. So just show up to this party. And twilight's like, well, can you pretend to be my wife? I know it sounds a little crazy, but I need someone to pretend to be my wife. So my kid can get into the school. And they both mutually agree. Um, you know, twilight think? here's the thing. I oh. can, again, Going, you know, just going into the era, because believe me, watching this the first time, like, God, this conversation, even the premise at that point felt strange. Like, considering how they've set up the world, though, it's like, yes, if you stand out other than the norm as dictated by society, as dictated by the government, then, yeah, I could see, and I'm sure there have these been those two people, of convenience. These two people are literally the only two people who would agree to something like this because yep. they are so out of touch with what is normal. <laughs> exactly. And that's why Yanya's there because she makes it work because otherwise yeah. it clearly wouldn't have. It's it, it fixes whenever a movie does the thing where we go like, Oh, I want this, but clearly they would have this thing. And the other person said the exact same thing. And it's like purely by assumptions because nobody talks to each other that, you know, mm -hmm. the great opportunity is missed. And then Anya is here to fix that trope and just be like, Oh, they're both being dumb. Let me just make them kiss. And she just slaps these two together like dolls. <laughs> Anya is the hand of the audience. Oh my god, it is the best, it is the best trope subversion I've ever seen. I'm so happy. I'm so happy. So yeah, they agree to, to, to be each other's, uh, plus one. After we get this meeting, we cut to the day of the party. And wouldn't luck have it, Twilight has a mission. And this mission is to recover some missing, uh, museum oh. pieces yeah. uh, to which Frankie is assisting him because he kind of talks Frankie into the fact that well if some of the stuff goes missing uh, the museum's not going to notice and Frankie's like oh I guess I'm on now I've been building some stuff at no point well, do I know what, what did he build there's... for this mission van yeah, yeah he, he brought a van Yeah, that, Frankie... that's it he's <laughs> Frankie's, Why put it that line? Like part informant, part fence, part Twilight's Q. Frankie is a Swiss Army person. Yeah, he's if, he's there. If this were actually a Bond movie, Frankie would be played by Joe Don Baker. He'd be Yo! playing three different roles, so yeah. Oh, uh, I want to see Joe Don Baker as Q. Actually, Ooh. I want to see Joe Don Baker as Frankie. Yeah. With the hair. Oh my god. So they go and they 
are able to liberate all these museum pieces from the bad guys with Twilight even taking the time. What? I'm going to apologize and I'm going to correct you real quick. Hold on. Since I have glasses, push up. Um, actually, they're stealing from black marketeers and uh, illegal organizations to give to their actual spy agency. So they're recovering. They're reappropriating because stealing from, you know, thieves. What kind of heroes steal? Uh, we'll get to that point because even though Twilight takes the time to count how many bad guys there are, that he has to take less than 10 seconds to fight each one. One on one. Uh, yep. While, you know, Frankie is getting everything ready, i.e. closing the back door. And they take off. With Frankie excited, which one of these are going to go missing? Twilight's like, yoink, this one's mine. The most expensive piece in the entire thing, which happened to be a diamond ring. Wonder where that's going. (laughs) I Um, do too. So they end up having to drive off with guns being shot at them. I guess that doesn't make much much sense. It's more the bullets are being shot at them. Uh, and we switch over to yours point of view where she is standing there sad and alone waiting for Lloyd to show up and take her to this party at which point she realizes so this is what it's like to be stood up I don't know if that implies this is her first date ever mm-hmm. I'd buy it uh, yeah she doesn't strike me as the type to seek it out and have time for it and then she goes to the party, which just shows why every introvert is right. <laughs> <laughs> and this is quite possibly the worst place. I I would have left like five minutes in because this, the head of the party is, uh, pardon my French, but the biggest bitch I've ever met. She literally so goes much. out of her way, make it horrible just for your, all yes, her friends. Why did she show up? Uh, I like, don't understand. If you didn't hate her by the end of the gossip scene at the beginning of the episode, they're just really making it unmistakable now. Yeah, so she starts talking to her like, where's your boyfriend at? Oh, he's running late. Uh-huh. You have no boyfriend. Uh, hey, everyone, let's laugh at her. Can I and, take this opportunity to say I wonder if Camilla's son will be, if she has a son, will be named Kyle? Probably. And if uh, you get the joke, at one point, your thought is, it'd be worth it just to kill everyone. <laughs> then, then my That's brother, how I feel at every party. Yeah, and my I, brother I, won't be told that I showed up alone, because her friend will not be able to tell him. Mm-hmm. They'll all be dead. Man, going sicko mode would really solve all of my problems right now. Like I said, I love her as a character. I may not buy her premise, but I love her as a character. <laughs> She's very relatable. Oh, my God. So she gets to the point where she's going to leave because she's been mocked so bad. And lo and behold, Lloyd slash Twilight comes walking through the door, blood dripping off of him, saying, I'm so sorry that I am late, Yor, but I am here. Uh, I, your husband, am here. Oh, yep. And his excuse he is a psychologist, which we learned in episode one, is his cover. But his patients sometimes have violent outbursts. 
Mm-hmm. As they do. They do. Uh, and Camilla, so upset, tries to put a spicy tray of, like, weird soup, pretty much, and splash it on her. It's still piping hot. Yes. And Yor catches it with her foot. With her soccer even... skills. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, she does no keepy-uppy, I guess. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, she 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 know keepy uppy very well. <laughs> to 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 which Twilight says, "Now, honey, you aren't supposed to play with the food. That's impolite." With your foot, anyway. With your foot. <laughs> Actually, uh, no. everyone's. I bet she doesn't know it because of soccer. I bet she knows it because of like having to kick a disembodied head around. Well, a soon to be disembodied head, but yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I'm I'm completely with you on that. I'm like, maybe that's how she learned to play soccer with the disembodied. Oh, she's going to be great at soccer the first time she learns about it because she knows how to kick heads. Yes, this all makes sense. It's This sounds like something the show would do up. from what I know. Everyone's surprised that Yor is married and ask her about it. And she's kind of just brushes it off. She didn't want to tell him about it. And how Yor, long has she been married, Bob? I don't remember. One year. Aw, what a nice anniversary to go to a bitch's party. Anyway, <laughs> so they hurry up and leave, at uh, at which point the thugs that they reallocated museum pieces from uh, find the couple, end up trying to fight her, and he's all worried about Yor, but Yor ends up showing him that she is more than capable of handling things on her own. Because as she told him, she took a few self-defense classes, and she's pretty good at it. Well, boy, yeah, his patients showed up. His yes, patients were showing up for treatment. That's the concussive response? Con- concussive uh, therapy. Yeah, which it's is hilarious. It's very experimental, and I love it. <laughs> and she feels bad because she hits one. She's like, I don't know if I'm allowed to touch your patients. Yes, it should be left to a trained professional. And this, I, I, think, I love the show. I think that plays a little bit to Nick's concern of when she's not being an assassin. She's a little. Uh... Again, this only works because she is so detached. And honestly, I identified with her a little bit autistic, but that might just be me being biased. But just that kind of straightforward. You said this is what the case is, so I believe you. Yeah. So, and that's that's the thing. Like, I. If if you want to, like, make the case that she is, like, like socially inept because of, like, you know, autism coded or whatever, I totally buy it. But sometimes they push it more to that where it's just like, oh, no, she is just, like, beyond being high-functioning autistic. I'll give you a real quick hand, like, kind of uh, shorthand for that. There is kind of... Two, there's extremes at either end. There's your straight man, your comedian, and then your one in the middle, your middle point. Yours is the middle point. She is both, you know, as you said, super competent, but also kind of not. And I, I can see the possible autistic coding. I didn't want to call out because a, I, I am not qualified to speak from that. But I could kind of believe that in the depiction. You've seen Gundam, though. Seeing Gundam does not make me an expert in certain things. I've seen certain shows that should make me an expert in trauma, and only actual personal trauma has made me an expert in trauma. Yeah, okay, okay. 
so things followed. Well, you get to the conclusion of the fight with Twilight suddenly realizing there's a hole in this pocket. He's going to use that ring he had before to propose to Yor. I wonder where the ring went. They actually say. No, that's why I asked earlier. It's like, I wonder where that ring's going to. <laughs> yeah, it's like but in a ditch somewhere. <laughs> but fortunately, Twilight does have a grenade, which he pulls the ring from, throws the grenade at the bad guys, and uses it with a proposal with Yor. It's just I believe so... Yor actually proposed. She did. And he is able to use that to his advantage. Yeah, and then he puts the pin. <laughs> Beyonce said put a ring on it. He went a step further. Uh-huh. He put a ring on it and put a pin in it. Wait. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, God. And thus ends the episode. The different... and No, it's the same ending. Mm-hmm. But we actually got the intro this time. Yes. I really appreciate this proposal because, like, this is basically my approach to relationships. It's like, uh, th- this just makes logical sense. Like, we both need a significant other, at least on the books. So, why you not? You solve a need in, I have in my life. Yeah. Not necessarily an emotional one, but you solve a need that I need occupied, a position filled. You want to do this? Yes. Okay. I love their vows, too. Mm-hmm. If we at least say we're dating, then there's a lot of headache in both of our lives that goes away, so why not? Yeah. <laughs> why escalate that further? Makes sense to me. I also, really Nick, show- Nick pointed out to me after the show that this is basically how our relationship started. <laughs> I saw that in the notes. <laughs> <laughs> I was laughing, and I saw like, I don't know how to feel about that statement. All the podcast. <laughs> there were there were less explosions, but yeah, okay. there was. There were Nerf assassin games, though. Okay. Oh, that's right. I did have to catch food with my foot once. Yeah. Um. Do you know what soccer is? <laughs> uh, that's uh no, but I played a lot of hacky sack. So <laughs> I was gonna say, okay, do you know it better by the name of football? Football, ooh, ooh, fancy European, continental, yes, mm, like breakfast. I really want. I really want to show you guys uh, episode three because. Oh, don't kind of worry. Like my... We plan uh, us to at least plan on watching this show. Okay. Entirely, yeah, so. okay. <laughs> I will. I will not say what I was going to say. There's just some delightful your moments. Yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, we're skipping over episode 3 through 12 for now. And, and moving on to episode 13, I believe. That's yep. correct. Project Apple. <gasps> Said that the thing. Like a white Toho song. Nope. Mm-hmm. So, uh, something that was noted for us. And I fully agree is they kind of show what's happened before leading up to this point. And well, Anya is collecting stars to get into the school. Like Allow it's a, me to explain. 
I, I don't know. In my mind, I just saw, oh, she has to collect stars. It's a Yu-Gi-Oh tournament, and I'm set. <laughs> I was so upset because that was such a better explanation than what was actually <laughs> happening, in my opinion. So here's the, here's the thing. You know how in school you got a gold star sometimes? I don't, and maybe your school didn't do this. I don't know. Um, okay, so like, literally when we were up, when I was upstate a couple weeks ago, uh-huh. I was going through and cleaning out some stuff in my room. And one uh-huh. of the things I found was one of our golden tickets from elementary school where yep. when you did something good or like helped a teacher with something, they gave you these little golden tickets and you could trade them in for things. This is more of a status symbol, but essentially, yeah. yes. Um, there is th- these uh, something scholar. I keep want to say imperial, but I do not believe that is correct. Um, but these scholars that essentially it is a status and, uh, Desmond, I forget his last name, but you know, not Hitler, Hitler is, has a, another son. thank you. Yes. Desmond Donovan. Desmond Donovan has a second or a first son, an older son who is uh, this, the scholar and because of that, those scholars and families, there's a tight social circle, status, et cetera, et cetera. So Anya's kind of submission is to get those, or, or maybe it's her primary intent as by way of Lloyd for her to get those. Anya's also trying to go the friendship route because for her, this is now a visual novel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, credit to her, she's going about it to the best way a four or five year old can. And she ends up because of her telepathic powers saves a kid from drowning. Right. Cause there's also this element of like, you don't just get a star for like academic achievement, but there's almost like a boy scout element to it. Like if you do a significant good deed, you get rewarded with one. Yeah. Like, if you are an upstanding citizen and it, her teacher, who is the butler looking guy in the credit or the opening role of previously on, mm-hmm. um, he really, really, uh, he, uh, goes hard on the like, uh, this is just exemplary. This is truly class. If so, if you get those or if you demonstrate what it is to truly be exemplary, then this is what you get. And Thus, status. If you get X amount of stars, I want to say it was like, oh god, I can't remember now. Eight, thank you. I want to say seven, like, that's all right. Um, but you get eight stars, you're part of the club, you get this, you know, get to know the special knock on the door, etc. And that's Lloyd's primary goal and route to get to Desmond. Yes. Which is right. the point and of Project, uh, oh boy. Operation Project Strix. That's that. Oh, Strix. Operation Strix is to get to. Project Apple is something far more nefarious. Yeah. You can tell, um, you know, it, here, here's your mnemonic device. Uh, uh, it's Operation Strix because Anya is a part of it and Strix are for kids. Go away. So long. How long? Go away. I no. wish I could mute you. I feel like that has been patiently waiting for a while. Nick, Nick, it's you and me, buddy. 
several people are typing. (laughs) (laughs) It's you and me, man. We got this. Oh, my God. That's under recording now. I know. (laughs) No, do it again. No. Um, Okay. So, also, since uh, episode 13 was in the uh, second half of the first season that was released, we get a new opening theme song. Which is also good. All four openings and closings for the show yes. are great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They absolutely are. So, Bob, um, tell us about the episode. Uh, this one kind of opens up with Anya wanting a dog. As a reward for getting a star. And she just wants this little dog. So they go to, uh, essentially, not the spy dog area, but the spy dog area. Mm-hmm. And we see what is quite possibly the buffest, <laughs> saddest dogs I've ever seen in my entire life. And They're let me point incredible. out, this, this show does a great job of dogs. Uh-huh. See lots of dogs, and they they are just dogs. Dachshunds look like dachshunds. That pit bull looked like the buffest pit bull ever. Uh, there's the Rottweiler. It's all okay, spot on. but also that pit bull was like looked like he was squatting with his elbows on uh-huh. his knees, like a Ukrainian high schooler. Like, mm-hmm. I'm assuming you did catch when they were actually flexing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, they're trying to be adopted be- because they're talking they're specifically. Dogs. Yeah, they're specifically like military trained dogs. <laughs> and Anya's face when she turns around is incredible. And he's like, that's the no face. <laughs> if you look in our side chat, I posted probably the face she's best known for. But yes, her expressions. That's her troll face, her. yeah. <laughs> that is the best face. So they go to the dog park as directed by the dog person there. They see all these cute, wonderful dogs just running around. Oh, actually, well, right, right before we move on. Um, this is another time to talk about uh, sub versus dub because mm-hmm. the voice yeah, acting for these dogs in either language is top notch. Voice acting, yes. Yeah. Just the do- just the noises that the dogs make, just going like, "Oh yeah." <laughs> yeah what? You can clearly tell these are <laughs> what voices trying to be dogs. Yeah, no, it is just like human actors just. But they're not even making, making noises. Like, they're not trying to be dogs. Like, they're just basically making, like, tough guy grunting noises and stuff. It's great. This this is yeah. the only, like, part of any of this that I went back and also watched in Japanese just to hear the Japanese take oh. on the dog voice acting. Because, you see, I wanted to circle back to this because of Bob skipped probably my favorite part. And the other reason I felt the dub versus sub mattered. Mm. What's that? So before they leave before they go to the place they're referred to to look at the dog show, uh, Lloyd is flagged by one of the operatives that are there because this is a front for their operation, or at least a local front. He's like, we got another mission and we need you. Oh, uh, my stomach is acting up and I must go to the bathroom. Oh, because in- daddy's going to be in there for a while when he goes right. to the crapper. That, yeah, he goes to the crapper in the dub. In the sub, however, Anya knows words. (laughs) 
Anya says, Daddy can spend a lot of time in the shitter. <laughs> Where did you learn that language? I've got to go. <laughs> I also, like, I'm, like oh. I'm glad we got this in, in today's selection because when episode two started, I did notice that there was, like, a big, like, it, it looked like a the fragile symbol on shipping boxes, but it for, like, an upset stomach, and I was like, that took up the full screen. What does that have to do with this show? And then I'm like, oh, okay, upset stomach is code word for I need to go do a mission privately. I'll be back. I've got to push one out. <laughs> Deliver the payload. <laughs> Drop the bombs off at the pool. Uh-huh. Whole new meaning. Oh. Okay, but yes, dog show. Get yeah, to the so dog show. Yarn and Anya end up having to go there on their own. The dog and kitty. There's and so the many show. dogs and rabbits. Oh, a lot of dogs. And there's bunnies. And it's perfect. This is what heaven looks like. This is this is where Anya starts hyperventilating over everything being so cute, and I am doing the exact same thing in my chair. And from this point forward, all of my notes are in caps. I noticed. Uh huh. It's a good episode. Thank you for picking. It is. I listen. I picked it for the shitter thing just to talk about it, but absolutely, I knew like there's kitties and bunnies and doggies. I'm winning. Mm-hmm. Thanks to our abilities as an audience, we do know through other scenes that uh, there is kind of a bombing getting ready to be planned, and they're using dogs, coincidentally, uh, to lay bombs throughout the city. And wouldn't luck have it? One of the bomb dogs happens to be walking by where Anya's standing, and she sees this big, giant, white, furry dog that she just has to have. His and name is Dogford Brimley, and you will respect him. Actually, I believe she calls him Mr. Doggy. Yeah, she just calls him Mr. Dog, which is the Ameri- it has the English translation of basically just saying dog with the like respectful um, suffix in Japanese. Joe, tell me he doesn't look like Wilford Brimley. Oh, no, he does. Innocent. Also, we, we slightly glossed over the dog's introduction, just for the fact that he, yes, the two people are walking two bomb dogs, including Dogford Brimley. And, and this is just so I can identify him really. But, um, Dogford Brimley saves a child from being crushed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he end. pulls away at from sign. his, his owner. Sign. Thank you. Yeah, that's that's when I wrote the note, Hero Dog Saves Boy. I knew the dog was going to be special, too. <laughs> please, so, please continue so they've seen the dog. Garhead specifically told Anya not to leave the area, and Anya, being the well-listening child that she is, goes off to see being, this one dog. Yeah, I mean, she's four years old. It's a giant fucking fluffy dog. Of course she's going after it. There's well, a little more to it, though. Because Anya can read minds. Now, could she read them? I thought it was after she meeting the dog she read it. Oh, no, Let she saw the dogs having a picture of the whole family. Right. Which as an audience, we're confused. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, she saw mean? the family. But then, the if I remember correctly, it was at this point also, she saw the family, and then you know Lloyd kind of disappeared. So, she goes off after Doggy, and Yor loses her crap. Because she lost Anya, and I think for myself, 
is the only scene that, while hilarious, bugged me. She's doing all of this flipping and jumping up into the ceiling, mm-hmm. and no one bets an eye. Everyone is as dumb as they need to be to survive in this world. Well, it, they bat the smallest of an eye. Like Once she was, jumps down. Yeah, and but that's the thing. It's just like, I love it, because basically it's like... She is Altair in Assassin's Creed, and everyone else is just NPCs. So you just, you know, jump off a roof and land next to him, and they go like, oh, whoa, that was weird. All right, anyway, back to sweeping. <laughs> I need I need a dub of this episode of when she comes down from the ceiling of just the eagle screech. Eagle cry. <laughs> so Anya's going off and ends up getting... I would say captured-ish mm-hmm. with the dog with the bad guys. And I just use bad guys loosely because it's some sort of terrorist group. And using her amazing ability to realize that she can read minds that we've known all along, she is able to read the dog's mind. While they're captured with someone getting ready to slit her throat, uh, the dog flashes to her mind that the phone's going to ring. And everyone's going to look at the phone. It's amazed when the phone starts ringing. And the dog is like, let's leave. <laughs> Just grabs her. And then whips her onto her, him, or yeah, whips her onto his back. And takes off. The thieves are arguing, or thieves, oh my goodness. The terrorists are arguing until they realize she's gone. So it's the dog. And they got to chase after her. So this, they are like radicalized students who are planning bombings and they are led by L from Kill Bill. That's not it. Death Note. <laughs> oh no, you said Kill Bill. It's now canonically Kill Bill. It's L from Kill Bill. The, the, that movie. the famous four assassins L, M, A, and O. And then also um, <laughs> also Sometimes why? Uh, well, no, that's the that's the one who led him, which uh, David Carradine. Thank you. Got there. Okay, you want to talk about long walk? And while chasing off, you know, Anya's oh, screaming, thanks. and you're here, sad. Oh, so sorry. Nope, I'm making something dumb. Go on, ignore me. <laughs> I'm sure it's very wise. Uh, Anya's screams are heard by Yor, and Yor's like, "Oh my goodness, gotta save my baby." Which she does pretty well, because while the dog is not the brightest dog and starts running in circles, showing that it's not like a human dog, it's just a dog that can see the future a little bit. Mm-hmm. Again, great, great um, depiction yeah. of a character. Yeah. Precog dog is just a dog. Telepathic girl, just a girl. They make such Maybe a that's, great team. That's a way to... Maybe that's a way to look at your because I kind of understood where you're coming from, Nick. Maybe assassin regular lady is just a regular lady who also happens to be an assassin. So I we'll get to that in a minute. Like when, when okay. this, I, I think it's the end of this episode, not the beginning of the next one. Where she's I, I, able to kick him and he bounces off of several walls. Yeah, she says that man pinball mode. She is a super saiyan, and you will not convince me otherwise. And thinks, or so, you know, she ends up saving Anya. And Anya is like, can we keep it? 
And that kind of ends the episode, essentially, but we know that she's going to end up wanting the dog. Well, I, I do want to just kind of go go back to how this ends, which goes back to yours concern when Anya disappeared. She's like, oh no, what if a dog ate her? And just the Anya's depiction, both in sub and dub are great. Um, and then it's, oh no, but wait, I was watching the news and something, something child brides and someone abducting poor Anya. And when she says, like, she will, she is too young to be married. And that is in her, her canon, in her version of the canon, why they were after this poor child. Your is a little bit like Chappy. Now, hold on. Follow me here. You remember, I was going to say, go on. You remember when Diane was, was like, yeah. hey, if you use these nunchucks on those guys, you'll make them go sleepy. And it's not till later that Tappy's like, you lied to me. You said I was just making them go sleepy, but I was killing them. That's kind of your. Yeah. Like, I feel like somebody yeah. told your, you're just making them sleepy when you kicked him in half. Oh. Yeah. If it weren't for the fact I know that she demonstrably knows that she's murdering people, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I can't. Definitely similar vibes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow, I forgot all about Chappy too. <laughs> Points at your memories. That's Chappy. Yeah, like don't get me wrong. I agree. I agree, Bob. I think we we saw that in the theater with a friend of ours. Oh, too. I believe so. But yeah, good, good, good film. I just wow, it's been so long since I've seen it. I haven't thought about it in that time. Anyway, back to dogs. Yeah. Well, oh no, the episode's over. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we swoop right into the next episode, which is also about dogs. Well, we we end of the next episode. Hmm? We swoop in the next episode, which we skip into the next episode that we watch. And I may I make note because we didn't watch fourteen. I found it kind of weird that there's almost I'm curious to at least watch episode 14 because I need to know what happens in the middle because could almost put 15 after 13 and it would be okay. Yeah, it really Which wasn't yeah. was also part of my intent. Sure. It, um, it worked. Yeah. By the way, did did we touch on uh why episode 14 is called Project Apple? No, we no. missed that. Go on. Oh, well, so, um, the project that the, uh, experimental dog, or wild animals, I guess, in general, um, to give them powers or make them super, are. To train them for combat. Yeah, was called Project Apple. They were trying to make them experimental data dogs, just like Ein. Yeah. Anime is a flat circle. (laughs) But... I, if I remember correctly, this is something that the CIA tried. Oh, yeah. As I was say, and I love that they're kind of touching on that for this. I love that they're grasping from actual things from history. Especially in the Cold War era, mm-hmm. like, the government tried all sorts of... I can't wait for the... I don't want to uh... say experimental. Like, they, they went down a lot of avenues of possibilities... I can't wait for the MK Ultra arc in the series. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I bet Anya's a scorpion main. That's my joke. Thank you. Oh, God. <laughs> it took me far longer to get that than I will admit to. <sighs> All of like two seconds, but damn. Okay. So we so saw swoop- with the last okay. time on. Yes. Yeah, which where, sums it up. <laughs> where to deal with a dog bomb, you just, you know the bomb in a box 
Well, well he, he puts the bomb it. in the river, and he puts the dog in a box. But how does he get the bomb off the dog? They are one in the same. Uh, he calmly explains, please take that off. And the dog is like, well, okay, I'm talking now, and takes it off. <laughs> I mean, if by calmly does explains, does a slow you mean... striptease. I mean, <laughs> you mean fires four shots perfectly, ripping the vest off the dog. It's or based, that's an option too. It's basically the scene from no, no. the Transporter Two where he does the car flip bomb disarm oh fiasco. I'm also now calling whenever you shoot something off someone a slow strip tease. <laughs> that's good. That's good. And the dog ends up in the crate. And the day is saved, except for the bad guy who is driving around, uh, trying to escape. Well, he's I trying mean, to blow up the bomb. Yes. Being chased by Lloyd, and ends up seeing a lone Yor in the middle of the street. Well, Yor sees him first. And it's like, you're the bad guy, I'm gonna deal with you by doing some sort of weird kick. Does she actually connect, or is the wind of her kick so strong it makes the car crash? She connects. Yor. Yours, Chun Li's mother. Mm, mm. <laughs> really impressive. He crashes and she calls the police saying, Hey, no, one of those terrorists just happened to crash over here. I don't know what happened. Who am I? I'm just a housewife. So they capture him, they get all the puppies together, and uh, Lloyd re shows up. Without any explanation, other than apparently he just takes a long time to poop. <laughs> Daddy takes a long time in the shitter. Uh, we see, uh, although we were introduced to her last episode, we once again see uh, Twilight's boss uh, come to gather up the bad guy. And Anya really likes this dog, Mr. Doggy. Yeah, they're the same. And... She wants to bring him home, and Twilight's boss is actually like, you know, you can have this dog, it would be good. And I don't understand why there's not a bigger fuss about it, because it is a trained bomb dog. But after taking it somewhere to check it up, they're going to bring it to um, the Forger household. Well, first, there was a fight. There was? Because... Yes, because Lloyd was just going to hand the dog over and be done with the matter. And Anya... Anya does not negotiate with terrorists that would take her dog from her. Mm -hmm. And says, if you do not... If I do not get Mr. Dog, I'll stop being good. There will be no well, That's right, I'll get kicked out of school. <laughs> <laughs> and also, combine that with the fact that Lloyd and his handler are both kind of... Obviously, it's audible because we need to be able to hear it as the audience, but talking about the mission in front of both Lloyd and Anya, who should not know about it. <laughs> they, they, they stepped away a little bit. Like, they also, turned around, yeah. <laughs> no, no, they were still facing them. I, I, I was taking detail on that. I was like, no, they're, still, they're just there. Okay. I, I guess Lloyd just kind of made the hand signal for Yorda just... Go to her happy place? Mm-hmm. And Anya's too young. She, what will she know? But yeah, like Anya will not negotiate with terrorists who do not let her have the dog of her choice. And I love that she... This is, like, probably 
the closest to out of her age range she is acting to get what she wants, but it is still perfectly believable that a child would say something like this at the same time. That is absolutely something a child would say, even without knowing that that's the one specific thing that Lloyd needs her to do. She mm-hmm. wants something. She is she is cutthroat for the one thing she wants. It's just that in this case, what she wants is its big fluffy dog. And he has I a love particular the... set of skills. Yeah, and so does the dog. It's called Saving Anya. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that the handler is like, you know, to be fair, dog did not carry bombs. Dog, if anything, may have actually helped us in its own way. At the very least, took care of. The necessary, what is it? The asset. That's the word I was like. Dog protected the asset. Asset needs protection. Keep asset safe. And also, did you see when Anya was riding that dog? She would look like a wolf warrior. Oh, yes. Every time, like from the moment uh, that the dog put her on her back, I'm like, this is every child's dream. Well, the only thing that could have made it better is she had gotten her pistol. (laughs) Silencer. Like, we need the the spy family ship it in where it's, like, 10 years later and a 15-year-old Anya is super into Airsoft. Oh. That would be precious, and I, I, I need this spinoff series now. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Well, there's a whole show about the survival set. Yeah, there is. Substitute for that. Oh, my God, I forgot. Mm. Oh. But yeah. So that, that that was left off, and the, we also get a little bit of the backstory for the handler, which I appreciate. It's not just, I'm a handler, and therefore this job is my life. The handler has had a daughter and uses her experience with children to say, just let her have the dog. I I am curious, and so real question here, but like, do we, like, the, they do another thing with the, the handler and her background where it's just like, hey, I'm just going to say a little bit to let you know that I have a background, but we're not going to linger on it. But like, do we go more into like stuff around the handler? Because between that, like taking the time to give her a background and also like when we see her in the last episode, they do this weird, like frame composition thing with her hat where like, it's always very particularly placed across the frame. And it's just like, does that mean something? Is she secret? Is there going to be like a big reveal later? It's just like, oh, this is what that means. Like, I'm, or am I just so making still, stuff up? I'm still catching up with the manga. But so in the manga, you get little bits of her backstory here and there uh, because there's going to be like little one-offs where you need to fill time and have a break from the action. So they she works as an attache and secretary in the embassy as a front for her intelligence act. Mm-hmm. She is called Full Metal Lady. Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh, she tends to give her agents a hard time and overworks them, especially Twilight, who she directly trained when he joined. And was a, her training was a bit harsh and traumatic for Twilight. Um, uh, she's extremely competent and reliable, being able to trick SSS agents and apprehend terrorists by herself, although she admits that overexerting takes a toll on her body. She once had a family with her husband and young daughter, but what happened to them is unknown. After the bomb dog terrorism incident, she adopts the German Shepherd and names him Aaron. Oh. <laughs> mm-hmm. I didn't want to spoil. That's adorable, though. That's a, that's a fine spoiler. I like to be spoiled to know everything goes well. I'm trying to bait you also into being the problem with me and making this just a better selling manga. I don't read 
I didn't even. <laughs> I watched it dub. I don't even read subtitles. You think I'm gonna help manga sales? You can't blame me for trying. This is a mm-hmm. great show. That's fair. And okay, we gotta finish up this episode though, because yeah. we gotta get this dog back to this family. Yes. Which that's con- conveniently what happens next. Mm-hmm. Um, so the dog gets returned. Everything's safe and sound. <clears throat> I guess I was expecting more of a reveal, but there wasn't. It was here's your dog. And he kind of slowly enters into the house, uh, getting a lay of the land, and then eventually comes their dog. And we get that shot of him seeing them as a family. From his precog vision. Yeah. Yay. And then they had to name him. Well, we get to that after school, don't we? Mm-hmm. Correct. Because we have to go to school and... We get to actually meet uh, the kid who, or I get to formally meet the kid who Anya is trying to supposed to be getting close to. Uh, her thought process throughout the school time of, you know, if I act cool and I have a dog, people are going to want to be interested in me. Mm-hmm. Very five-year-old logic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that. It's not like... To some super duper wizard who's gonna entrap people with saying mystery things. No, she's just oh, like it's kid I have logic. A, it's great. I have a big dog. Ooh, I don't, I don't know, but I have to assume the mangaka, the creator for this, has a family because this is just too perfect a depiction of a child and childish behavior to be anything other than that. Hmm. So she tells the little girl who sits next to her, who's like, oh, that's pretty cool. And Anya's like, it works. That's all I have to say. So she goes out of her way to find Damien. It's like, I have a big dog. And Damien's like, okay. And Damien's friends are like, that's stupid. You're a weird girl. So to be fair, she has a good friend named Becky. And she, Anya, in the most truly strategic of manners, I have a new dog, and Becky loves this idea, except when she hears that the dog has no name. And Becky's like, oh, oh, I can't wait to come over. And Anya's already halfway out the door to go find Damien. Like, she's already taking after Twilight, because she's just like, Mm -hmm. I am being sociable for for the pure pure functional sake of seeing if this scheme might have any uh, footing. And I love that. It's like, her, her father is her role model. And she is absolutely adopting his skill set. <laughs> which should absolutely give him away. Eventually. And Damien is like, that's kind of cool until they ask what the dog's name is and she hasn't named the dog yet. Okay. To which Damien's like, whatever. I'm, I'm too cool for this. At this point, go over here. what would you have I named the like dog? She... At this point, what? What would you have named the dog if you were to pick the? I the would name have for the stuck dog? with Mister Doggy. What's wrong with that? Yeah, Mister Dog Solid. I was thinking Marshmallow. Aww. Listen, uh, I said Dogford Brimley for a reason. You did. Also, I do oh. love when she approaches Damien about the dog. Why should I care? And just the you can just hear the the gif, the video of emotional death. 
So Anya heads home from school, a little defeated, but with the mission of naming this dog. Uh, she comes in, dog loves her, uh, and forgers are like, okay, we should name it. And, you know, Twilight being Twilight, well, studies show that a dog should have a simple name. The vowel in the middle that is long, so as not to confuse it. He is one hundred percent correct in all of that. That is absolutely one hundred percent correct. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yes. A pet's name should never be more than two syllables long; otherwise, they're confused and just associate with everything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but most like, people don't realize exactly. that. <clears throat> How many dog shows have you watched where Sergeant General, Dirty Pants, Floyd Smith, <laughs> Cheeseburger the Third is the winner? Yeah, like you can give him the long name. But then, like, when you're training him or call him or whatever, yeah, it's it... got to be a recognizable, like, short sound. Mm-hmm. And Anya just doesn't care. Mm-hmm. Well, she cares, like, but she, she gives the names, uh, like, information. Princess Doggy and stuff like that. Because she does her research like any good spy. She asks in the best childish way ever. Tell me your secrets. Mm-hmm. Asking all the other dog park denizens to tell them, like, what's your dog's name? How did you come up with this name? Yep, she because they go the to the park. The Anya the... park, unless the dog plays with her. Yes. Which it's really cute. Way more excited for the walkies than the dog was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's go for walkies. Walkies! <laughs> and eventually, you know, she comes up with several names and none of them resonate. She even tries to play with the dog with her shoe. I mean, to be fair, if I was a dog, I wouldn't chase that either. So, they have their time at the park. And And then she can't find her gloves. Oh, yes, that's right. Which is kind of sad. Why she took them off in the first place, who knows? To pet that dog. It makes such a question of what time of the year it is. They are really moving this time. Eh, I mean, it doesn't get, like, that's normal for mid-Europe. Like, they have hot... That's land in Eastland? But, like, they're, in general, pretty temperate. Mm -hmm. So, they go off, dogs come home with Twilight... The the gloves gloves. with the pit bull, which scares Anya until Mr. Doggy comes along. Is like, you gonna put that down? And the other dog's like, yep. (laughs) And that other dog is like, you win, you win, and gives the gloves away. And she thinks of her spy show, which becomes relevant. Because, of course, being a child, she relates everything to her favorite show of, like, oh, this is like that one time when Bond Man got that thing back for that lady. Mm Mm-hmm. So when they get back, that's where the name comes from. She's super excited. She's like, this is the perfect name. We will name the dog after my character, Bond Man. And call him Bond. And the audience are like, "Uh uh-huh. This is where I just throw my hands up, like, all right, okay, okay, all right. I just love that the, the, the name of the, the, the in-universe is Bondman. Correct. 
A bond? No, we can't afford that for licensing. Mm-hmm. I mean, probably bond not. But they do give him a bow tie after they name him it's Bond. It's cute. It's so yeah, cute. bow ties are cool. And train him to eat food and poop in a litter box, which is a little yeah. disturbing because he's the size of the litter box. That thing's got to go get changed like a no. hundred times a day. That's a pee pad. It's mm-hmm. in a box. Yeah, it's a pee it's pad. It's in a tray. Yeah, it, it's a thing. I've seen it before. Okay. Yeah. It's fine. I've seen the ones which it's like fake grass for dogs. Mm. Everything yeah. seems through, but yeah, it's anyway, training usually. Uh, your comes in. Lloyd eventually behind her sees that Anya, through all this training, has fallen asleep with her dog, even though she was supposed to be studying. Just fell asleep and ended up looking cute. For five minutes, you just think, "What a normal family!" Mm-hmm. It is the most perfect little scene ever. When is it that we get, it, it might be in the ending, but at some point we get a little animation of watching your, like, cut vegetables for soup. That's, like, it's, that's it's the, the end credits, uh-huh. and it is so beautiful. Like, I love everything in the end credits because it just shows them as they are, both as a pretend family, Anya probably doing the least pretending, and you can see flashes of who they really are. Yeah, if you outside of their work lives, like these are the who these people are during their downtime, and it is probably my favorite thing to see. That's and I, I think I know where you're going, Nick, with her with her cutting the the food and such for the vegetables or for the soup. Like they made it make it a point that she does not know how to cook, but she could prepare really well. Mm-hmm. And like, okay, I I think we're kind of at the end of it. And like, here here's part of my note, which is basically just like, I I don't know if you're needed to be an assassin, right? Like, I think there's a version of this show where she is just like a karate champ, just as a matter of fact. But, like, you know, or, like, formerly Karate Champ, like, the kind of thing where just like, yeah, no, I am good at violence, but that is not necessarily a part of my everyday life now. And I think the show would otherwise be, like, exactly the same. Um, Because, at least from the episodes that we watched here, like, you know, we, we said at the start, the show does such a good thing of being the, like, James Bond, but Marsh Brothers, right? Or Man from Uncle, whatever. Um. And I think that there is something there's a certain symmetry that I think this show is implying because, you know, Twilight has his mission and the secrets that he's keeping from Yor and Anya. But Anya knows about them. So I feel like the implied symmetry would be like uh, Yor has her mission that she's keeping secret from Twilight and Anya. But Anya knows about and then there's Anya in the middle sort of like thinking they're both so cool and sort of smacking their two missions off of each other. But from what I've seen here, like your doesn't actually, isn't actually written with that symmetry. Like the fact that she is an assassin is just for goofs of this person who doesn't know what soccer is, is incredibly uh, competent at violence. She can send a man pinball mode. And like, I love that gag, but it seems like, I, I I don't know. I I feel like 
the character the, the show is set up to have like a symmetry where like a mr and mrs smith thing like if we got an episode where we were like following her true secret assassin life that she's keeping secret from everyone and that's getting upset i imagine an episode like that happens but hers doesn't seem to be as central to the show overall as uh twilight's mission and premise is like this is really a show about twilight dealing with everyone in his fake family is goofy and assassin is just yours goofiness in a weird way you know if i may yeah so i won't say it happens this season i'm assuming because of how things play out in the manga it will probably be this coming season this uh but there is definitely more to your and um I believe they kind of, if I remember correctly in episode two, they establish she is dealing with, she's committing these assassins, not just because people need to die, but she's killing those that would do harm to the country. And she wants there to be peace, much like Lloyd. So they are operating in kind of, as you put it, the, and the reason I made the gag title of Mr. and Mrs. Forger, they are absolutely living those double lives, trying to accomplish more or less the same thing. Um, and I, I, I feel she has to have this because otherwise you have two, two out of three characters that are hiding who they really are or have at least very big secrets from everyone else. And without that, I, I worry that the, person in the middle would lose interest to to the audience whereas if all three then again you you have that option to play around with them show them in their elements yes one took longer to get to than the other i i have my own personal feelings about it. i think it should have been done a lot sooner i also kind of understand why they did it but I, I definitely think, it, to your point, it should have been sooner. But I think it has to be this mix, the way they are. Because I don't think it'll show where, where your is just... Uh, I don't want to say a straight character because that's Lloyd, but if she is just the character without anything to hide, I don't think that it works as well. Well, yeah, I, I think she does still need to hide it because the whole like that is the sort of, you know, power dynamic of the family is the fact that Anya has this like knows full well what everyone else is keeping secret from everyone. And like that is what gives her the like almost fourth wall breaking ability to be the Marx Brothers characters because she has this unnatural knowledge. But like. There is like what twilight is working for and the fact that he is a spy and the fact that he has these talents has such like wider repercussions to sort of the show and the in you know the setting of the show as a whole whereas so far like your is an assassin so she has this you know she is competent at violence but we haven't seen the assassinations do everything. We haven't seen the existence of some sort of assassins guild, you know, we haven't seen it obviously reflected somewhere. I would bet that it's in there somewhere, but like not to the extent that 
Twilight spyness is, you know, and and that's the thing when it when you have like when you say the middle character, I think Anya is actually the middle character because she has this telepathy, but she is the most she is the most honest character. She is lying about the least because she is just a little kid. So if you look at yeah, her, she's the most like normal person. Right. So, so when you look at her as like the middle, then the symmetry is between, um, Twilight and Yor. And I think that it, they are not equally yoked in this marriage. I guess is what I'm getting to. Like, like, you're not wrong. I don't think it's really a problem. It's just a little thing that it's just like, I'm waiting for the Yor shoe to drop. But then every time I've seen her, she's just been like so. Just she, she, every time I've seen her, she's just been a normie who's competent at violence. And I'm like, so why are we setting it up like she's some big thing? Because we're not doing anything with it. And it's just like, you know, it's me. It's me expecting something and waiting for something. And that I am never not thinking about when is that shoe going to drop. So I I, I know that's a me problem. But like. uh, Um, I'm not going to say it's just a you problem because like I said, when I when I was reading it and what I've read up to. I'm ju- they're just kind of starting. There's more past what I've read too. I'll say that. Hmm. So I'm not through the whole thing. Um, or I'm not completely caught up, but where I'm at right now, like they're just starting to kind of touch on your and her assassination group, sect, guild, good fun times, whatever. Um, and I feel like it should have been there because I do agree. It's like, this has absolutely been focused on Lloyd's mission. Sure. Your doesn't have a mission. And I agree with you. It's like, I feel like she needs more. It, it's a cover for her. Sure. And maybe in my mind, like that, I guess that's the logic of why we spent less time earlier fo- overall focusing on your than Lloyd, than his operation. Because like you said, that's what's critical to war- world peace. Sure. On, or uh, keep on saying, your also has that, but we, we get a lot of tell, don't show. Yeah. And like, I could actually see it working if it's like season one is like, uh, uh, Twilight side, season two is going to be more from your side of like what the driving plot is, you know, the, the sort of overriding of the season. And that could be cool. And, you know, so then of course we're not going to see that in, you know, four episodes from the first season. So it, it's, like I said, she's a good character. After watching these four episodes, I drew your fan art already. So, like, I love the character. I'm not upset that she's here. I'm just like, yeah, it, it's it's just that little nagging thing about, like, oh, there you could be doing a lot more with her that's just not there. I love what they are doing, but it's just like, mm, why did you do this if you're not going to do anything with it? But, like, maybe they will. I, I guess there's still room that they could, and I'm just not seeing it yet. Yeah. I like I, said, I completely agree with you. I'm not trying to say well, uh, but no, I, I agree with you. It's just I, I guess I'm saying like here's the fact of it, but nah, I I agree they definitely should have had her. And let me tell you, I love you talk about your fan. I've I have tried. I have characters I've designed. I'm like, I wonder if I can take aspects of that costume because I just love it. <laughs> I love how it moves, which kind of wants me to immediately segue us into the intro discussions. And I guess the outros as well, because... Yeah, I, I was going to say, I'm going um, to hit the button, because I, I think we're fully in final thoughts now. Yeah. There. I'm going to spearhead the, this discussion with, because I think we've all touched on and agreed, all four of these are bangers in their own right. These are great. They're good. They they all do something different. Most of them are chill. The very first intro is a little more high octane. 
but it's still playful and I love it. Like, I'm almost surprised that they did not go for a more like diamonds are forever. Tomorrow never dies kind of belter pastiche because they are so much leaning into like, Hey, remember James Bond? We're making fun of that. I, I get you. And I agree. I'm surprised they didn't. I'm still glad they did not. Yeah, no, what we have here is, is fantastic. Hey, how are we going to rank these? Cause we did have two different openings, right? Uh, they both may get I ranked. Propose, oh, I, well, yeah. I propose they both get ranked separately or individually as it were. Okay. But I want to touch, I love the opening of the first, the first opening slightly better just because it really does capture like Anya's side of things. And then the goes from that like this very childish animation style to full on traditional anime style, and you have Lloyd and you see Yor and they're doing their thing and they're doing it so well. I love a show full right. of competent characters. Mm-hmm. And I love that the other three, the other opening, and then the other two uh, EDs are just so calm and chill and happy. I will let you know, <clears throat> prior to this, I did listen to the top five songs that we have currently ranked. Okay. Oh, to nice. see where my placement would be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't think we would be listing the end credits, so I would have to I don't to think we need that. to list the end credits. Just no, no, no. Oh, yeah, I just meant well, the two openings. Although I genuinely, personally, like the end credits more than the beginning credits. Yeah, Fair. same. Yeah, they're good. Just a little bit, but, like, yeah, they're all pretty good. Uh, I like opening, I like Chuck. I like opening two, or one over opening two. Opening one, I would put at number four. Ooh, beating out Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhoods again. Yep. Yep. I respect that. Number two, I would put at six. Beating out, well, it was Neo Getter versus Sin Getter, but now it is beating out Ghost in the Shell uh, Inner Universe. I mean, I I can agree with that. All right, yeah, that's that's not bad. They're real good, and I love. Don't be wrong. I I, I love both. I love the the difference between the the two openings is like marginal for me. They're both so good, so well animated. They just tell such good stories. I have some trivia stuff if people are oh, interested. Do it. I am very interested. Um, first, regarding the X in the title name of the show, because it's Spy with a little X in the middle before Family. Mm-hmm. Um, the initial draft was given a working title of Spy Family, written in Japanese. And when discussing the final name, Endo came up with over a hundred options, but they ultimately decided to use the same title, but in English, and with a cross in between influenced by Hunter Hunter. Which mm-hmm. I kind of like, because... They do consider that sort of X, like, crossover sort of thing, and so you have the spy stuff and the family stuff, like, intersecting, and I think that works pretty well. Yeah, I've definitely seen it pronounced, like, or maybe not for spy cross family, but, like, for for video games, they usually pronounce it as a cross. Yeah. Um, Operation Strix. Uh, Strix is a genus of owls lacking ear tufts. And the Strix in the mythology of classic antiquity was a bird of ill omen, the product 
of metamorphosis that fed on human flesh and blood. Oh no. And also referred to witches and rele- related malevolent folkloric beings. Oh no. Which, if you're familiar with Strixhaven, is also relevant there. Mm-hmm. Oh, don't worry about it. Also, hey, you want to know what kind of dog Bond is? Yeah. Actually, yeah, that's the only one of everything <laughs> so far I don't know. <laughs> uh, he's a great Pyrenees, also known as a Pyrenean mountain dog, a French breed of livestock guardian dog, protecting flocks from predation by wolves and bears. That yeah. part is I should have known that my sister has one. <laughs> oh, nice. That checks out. That is a great dog. To They're one of those. I have never seen one of them. big bear dogs. <laughs> At least I don't think I have. Sister's dog head is taller than the top of her table. Yeah, yes. they get real big. Yes. So Bob, you you now need to call that dog Bond. <laughs> His name is Rolly. Is he Poly? That's uh, well, sometimes. <laughs> I also have two pictures to share with you, because regarding the movie coming out at the end of this Mm -hmm. year, Spy Family Code White, uh, in July it was announced that the movie was going to have a collaboration with Street Fighter VI. Uh And they revealed an illustration drawn by Capcom's illustrator and designer, Chisato Mita. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to drop that in the chat and Nick can put it up. In the recording. I I want that fight. <laughs> I, I need that fight. Well, you put it in this chat. Oh, yeah, Pretty sorry. Cool. It's just easiest for me to have those two have it open at the same time. Yep, yep. Um, and they also announced another collaboration project with the movie Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. <laughs> A parody poster illustration in which the main characters of the anime replace the Mission Impossible cast, and a highlight video for the Mission Impossible movie narrated by the anime voice actors of the Forgers were released yes. in the announcement. Yes! So you can watch basically like a trailer for Mission Impossible, and then it has them like talking over it. The puppy looks so good! <laughs> Oh, that that's such a better poster than what Mission Impossible deserves. <laughs> well, yeah, there's a dog on it. Yes! Also, there's a Yor and an Anya. <laughs> yeah. The handler's hat is so wide. I know, she's like hat. reverse. She's like player two Carbon San Diego. It's great. Oh, yeah. Because she's got the red oh. hair and the dark clothes. <laughs> I, this has been bugging me for over a year now. <laughs> and now I know where I know this look. <laughs> and that's all my like, extra I information. I can't tell you how many times I've sat there like, where have I seen this look before? <laughs> oh wait, they didn't let the dog hold a knife. This is knife erasure. <laughs> hey, hey, this isn't D Dog. Okay. Oh, I guess. He's, he's not a, good boy, Nick. a military dog. Like he is, but he's not really like he didn't he didn't succeed. Good boy. Being a military dog. (laughs) (laughs) He's a good dog. Um. Okay, but yeah. Oh, I didn't uh, know about this. Oh, I gotta go hunt this poster down. (laughs) What else do we have in terms of uh, final thoughts? Uh, I like this show. I'm going to watch all of it. Yeah, Bob. What about you? I thought this show was. Not what I was thinking it was going to be, because I agreed. I thought it was going to be a more serious show. 
get in and it's serious art. Then they talk about a toupee, and I kind of let that slide, like, eh, that's <laughs> weird, but maybe it makes sense because they have an explanation. Then he had his reaction about having a kid in seven days. That's when I realized I'm having a debate. Is it a comedy that has serious notes or a serious show that has comedy notes? And I'm actually leaning more towards the latter. But sometimes it's like a hard duality, like, oh, this like is serious a- action. Oh, this is serious. And then York kicks him and he hits three walls. <laughs> so it's like a dramatic comedy in that it's a comedy first, but like Correct. heavy on the drama. Yeah. Uh, other that way around. Good. For me, it's a drama with a lot of drama. With so a comedy. comedic drama. Correct. With uh, Anya kind of carrying the comedy chops. Mm-hmm. So it's like the early Marx Brothers movies when uh, Zeppo was still around, and then he left <laughs> oh, yeah. because uh, what is it? It was like every time he's on screen, it's not a comedy beat a minute. He's a serious one. So eventually they got rid of him, so it was a comedy beat a minute. Yes. And there's nothing wrong with that. I like the show. I thought that they found a correct balance. Your side who I kind of wasn't so much 50-50 on their relationship. I thought it was more focused on the mission itself. And I could see how Yor could be utilized to help with that mission in its own way. Mm-hmm. So, I know. yeah. Yeah, I definitely I had a fun. Go on. No, you. No. No. Do it. No. I'll do fun. it. I definitely yeah. had fun watching it. And like, like it was fun to watch, and it did make me laugh like several times, which is always good. Um, and I'm curious to see more of it because it is just like, here's this premise, and then we're just gonna put these people in situations and let them be ridiculous. <laughs> I I just now imagine, you know, the titles for the live action spy family movie with with Lloyd played by Zeppo Marx and yeah. Anya as portrayed by Groucho. Yeah, that's, I mean, listen, we know Netflix is going to bring us a live action adaptation at some point. <laughs> um, so we just I'm need, we just need to get Ted Turner on board and we can have the holograms of Zeppo and Groucho. <laughs> oh, wait. Okay. Harpo could be the dog. Cause he doesn't speak. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. Chico is is Frankie. All right, we got it. Yeah, mission accomplished. <laughs> um, yeah, I I'm also like, I I knew that the show was like more a comedy than anything else, but like like I said, my my expectation was that it was going to be you know anime comedy, which is waka waka. But then I get in there and it's just like, oh no, you're actually doing like a smart like parody of you know, classic spy show. So like, I, I think, you know, the fact that it, it does go like serious drama at some point, And like, it's like, like in, in a very first episode, you know, the opening was reminding me of, um, standalone complex. Cause we're looking at, you know, a guy having an important phone call on the highway and then, you know, he gets assassinated and then there's a, a group and whatever. And I'm just like, right, this is the, it is serious enough so that that way the comedy is, you, you both have like, the comedy as like a juxtaposition. And so it makes for an, an uh, uh, sort of a, a, it gives the contrast weight, but also 
your world is now solid enough that you can make jokes off of it rather than trying to be just, you know, a free floating miasma of waka waka jokes, you know? So I, I, I've been waiting to do this episode, both a, to talk about it with y'all, but also B, I didn't want to watch any more until we talked about it to not spoil myself outside of these episodes. So I'm excited to go yeah, for more of the show. <laughs> I, I was actually really prepared when, this ep- when we started recording for Joe to, or yourself to ask me, so why did we watch this? And honestly, Nick, your summation of how this approaches and handles comedy is exactly why I put it on here. Also for the fact that, you know, we've had a lot of kind of dramatic stuff, or at least definitely more dramatically. I thought, you know, a good little funny palate cleanser would be serious giant robot troll. Yeah. Yeah, like, like I was, I was actually thinking when we sat down, like, we haven't had, like, something that is comedy first on this show yet. Like, there is, like, maybe a Gretsuko, but that one was also, like, too realistically well-written in terms of, like, office drama and, like, relationship kind of stuff. So, like, there is nothing here that is, like, comedy, that is, like, anime comedy. It is all stuff that is, like based on something more dramatic and then it has comedy elements so like you know i'm i'm really glad that this feels more like all of that like this makes sense to be on this list now even if it is sort of like pitched as comedy first it is mm-hmm. you know it, it is easier to laugh at than normal anime comedy which listen we can talk about uh um Cromarty high school at some point uh in season two, I guess, but uh, that is that'll be a conversation for another day, I guess. In summation, yes, I do plan on continuing this. Cool, yay! So what I'm hearing is this show is good from start to finish. <laughs> well, we'll find out when we watch At least it from four start episodes. to finish. <laughs> I was just referring to the the book ending of the o, the op and the ed were so good. Mm-hmm. That's true. And it had good dogs and good dog voice acting. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, that's what I went and and switched uh, between the English and Japanese versions for because yeah. I wanted to see if Bond just goes woof in both, and he does, mm-hmm. and it's great. Yes. It's so, uh, the time is nigh. Do we have any? Okay. When we were talking about Project Apple, was there a horse that flashed across the screen? And is that enough to go on horse ranking? Good oh my question. <laughs> so hear me out. She rode Dogford Brimley, now known as Bond. She as does ride Bond. She does ride Bond. What? I mean, we're looking at... I mean, I guess if Haruko's Vespa can be on horse rankings, then Bond could be that, on That is true. Rankings. Bond could be there as well. And does this not make him the best horse? No, no. I would put him above the Vespa. Okay, that me- makes him his our new number three uh, under Kokuo and Onyx. I will always love Onyx. That's going to be a hard one for me to... It's going to be a hard one to unseat. You you love Onyx. I do. The species... operate an elevator. <laughs> <laughs> the species of the test subjects varied from dogs, owls... Dolphins and sheep. Oh, ooh, bomb sheep, worst of all bombs. 
and cheap. Uh, I see you have not played uh, Worms Armageddon. I've played Worms. <laughs> I was say, I can demonstrably tell you he has. Well, then you're right. Uh, and no Android waifus in this show. Well, no. Okay. Oh. I was going to say, your is very uh, uh, bad at socializing. Yeah, if not for the fact that she's a human, then yes. <laughs> okay, yeah, all right, fine, 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 fine. Which means I guess it's time to pick what we're watching next time. Yeah. What have we got? Are you ready for your teasers? Yes. All right, we have gangsters cause a ruckus on a train and also everyone is immortal. I forgot about that. <laughs> we have, can I offer you a nice Gelnana in this try and world line? Gelnana. Gelnana. Whatever. It, it's actually <laughs> I promise you it's relevant. I'm sure, but I still say GIF instead of GIF. I like hard Gs. You're wrong. <laughs> um, I know that. Uh, Mars had got talent. Uh, just a guy who's a hero for a hobby. And mine is the drill that will pierce the heavens. Uh, I, I'm feeling the drill. We're going to pierce some heavens. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Excellent choice. You have chosen Tengen Tapa Gurren Lagan. Oh, oh boy. Yeah, as long as I don't have to repeat that. Which means oh, that us three are going to have to have a very specific discussion in our thread. Oh, my God. For repeat right. episodes. <laughs> so look forward to that next time. I can't wait to watch 10, 11, 12, 13. <laughs> no, it's going to be like 1, 3, and 6. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I mean... I'm trying to remember when he draws that long sword, but... Uh, it's real like, early. It's like... um. Anyway. Yeah, okay. Anyway. um, We'll be back in with some giant robots, but uh, definitely a different flavor of giant robot. Um, like and strawberry and chocolate. Yeah. Uh, oh, imagine ooh. if you combine them. Yeah. Mm. Chocolate covered strawberries, yummy. Mm-hmm. Oh, that does sound good. <laughs> we have some upstairs. Um. Okay. Anyway, that'll be next time. So look forward to that. And uh, that'll be next time. And, and that means we're done for this time. So I'm going to start the music and say thank you, everybody, for joining us. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Hi, Mr. Doggy. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>